Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. As always, it is I, Brent Young, joined alongside two guys, two fantastic pals. One was taking a little bit of round ball. The other was overcoming another sickness, but he's back, full force. Time for another beautiful Bearcat Bounce Podcast, which means we can bring in good pals, good friends, your comrades, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel. Aaron, Chad, gentlemen. How are we? I'm good. How about you? I'm solid. Solid. You're solid. I, solid. You know, thanks for asking. It, it doesn't normally come back to me, but I want to ask how Aaron is first before I dive in further. Aaron, how are we? I think I'm, I think I'm good, man. I, you know, I had a, a temperature of almost 102 over the weekend. It was stupid. <laughs> um, and then I got sunburned mowing the lawn, but um, yeah, that was my first experience with the. Uh, Four acres out here. Oh, geez. So. How was that? <laughs> like I said, I got sunburnt. Did you have a rider? A, yeah. Uh, first time on a zero turn, so that was interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, I wonder if the rider had some mechanical issues or some issues wrong with it, the engine, if you will. Could we maybe see if we can take it to Danco transmission? It's a two-and-a-half-hour drive, so probably not. But <sighs> might be worth it. But I mean, you could. You could. You could. Get the oil change on it. I think you could drive that far. I believe in you. But head over to Danco Transmission. A huge thanks. Huge shout out to them right in the beginning. Of course, Danco Transmission. Mention the BBP. Mention Chad. Mention 102 degree fever on a riding lawnmower. <laughs> get, 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 a, get $10. What is, is it 10% off your next service? Wow. Does that change? Or is it $10 off the oil change? We'll figure it $10 out. $10 off the oil change. We know Danco, Joe. We'll figure it out. But, guys, this is kind of the, the episode before the episode, if you will. A lot of things coming up at the end of this week. First, NFL Draft. We've been talking about it ever since the beginning of last season. Ever, probably before the season before that, just constantly talking about how big of an event this is going to be all weekend. And then, of course, a big day on Sunday as well. Rayvon Griffith Commitment Day. If things go well... All throughout this weekend, that show on Monday is going to be an electric factory. It's going to be 100 times 100. It's going to be an awesome, awesome show. But right now, it's the build-up. It's the excitement. It's the pageantry leading up to what's going to be a fantastic NFL draft. Chad, you and Dave kind of broke it down a little bit on the previous BCJ pod. I don't know if you're planning on doing one during the draft or kind of what you're planning on this week with him. But we got to get a little bit of our takes. Aaron, I know you're a big NFL guy. You're a big big Bengals guy. We'll see kind of how the NFL draft feels leading into everything. And of course, Chad, you read another AAU tournament this weekend. You got to see probably, you know, one of the bigger names in the country as things continue to rise. And Isaiah Collier, we're going to break down kind of what you were able to see from him and his game. You guys touched on that a little bit during the recaps. And then of course, dive into the BBP mailbag, but guys, NFL draft is, is Thursday, Friday, Saturday shaping up to be, what what is expected? A huge turnout for the Bearcats. Is this going to be one of the biggest three day stretches in Bearcat sports ever, if you will? Oh yeah, I mean I've been saying it's the most impactful weekend in the history of the program because it's it's the last box to check. They've won at an elite level. They've made the playoff. They've they've shown they've had staying power uh, with an MY six bowl and then the playoff in back to back years. 
the, the last thing is, and, and the Big 12 is happening now, the last thing to be able to tell recruits is we can we can make all of your dreams come true here, and that's about to happen, especially Thursday, what happens early with Sauce, but Thursday, Friday, Saturday in general. Aaron, a lot of build-up to this. This is kind of an exciting weekend for me. I, it's, it's exciting for me because I want to be able to just actually sit down in front of a television screen and take in what is going to be an awesome draft, three straight days of, of excitement filled. But, you know, because it's, it's been a bit of hectic back-to-back weekends for me. But, Aaron, what are you most looking forward to when Thursday comes around, when Friday's there, and when Saturday hits in? I'm looking forward to just seeing how many names are actually called. I mean, if it ends up being – the nine names that we expect to be called during this NFL draft. And I know we I feel like we started with seven and then got to eight. And now we, we, I think we're landed pretty solidly at nine. And if it does indeed end up being nine names called it, you know, back to Chad's original point, how's that not the biggest, like the most impactful weekend outside of the national champion or not the national championship, but the, uh, the cotton bowl itself. Yeah. I mean, I, you think about it, and when Curtis Brooks' name keeps getting brought up, I think we, we were touching on it as, as defensive MVPs that we were mentioning this past year. I think he's someone that deserves even more talk than what he's slowly starting to get. I mean, Fickle mentioned him all the time. He's he's a guy that I I believe it was it was a, a Bengals guy that I follow on Twitter had, had a, a string of video Joe posts Goodberry. about Brooks. Yeah, Joe Goodberry. A, a string of posts just back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back of – how many plays that Brooks really had that dominated every single game. And you think about it, I, like even that Navy game, if you remember that Navy game at the end of the first half, he had first, what, what was it? The, the tackle for loss. And then he had another one that, that ended up in a fumble and a recovery. And all of a sudden instead of Navy getting points right before half, it's the Bearcats getting points. I, he affected the game so many ways, especially right up the middle. So it's great to hear his name starting to get a rise. Is he someone that you guys see as, you know, maybe might get drafted higher than expected? Or I, I know, Chad, you guys mentioned Brian Cook's name is slowly making a rise as well. Uh, who who do you see as possibly the biggest mover for the Bearcats just early, you know, this early in the week of draft week? I think the interesting for me, like the interesting one to watch is Pierce. Yeah. Because he has all of the the things that you want. Like every possible box is checked with Alec Pierce and guys like that. Typically, like you see teams or or you know see a team that finds all of those boxes being checked more valuable than everybody else. And as they always say on the draft, like it only takes one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily know that I'm to the point of saying. Alec is going to be a first round guy, but I would not be surprised very early in the second uh, to see his name pop up and people to be like, oh, wow. Like he was up, up, up the list more than we realized. Aaron, who got? I mean, Chad kind of stole my thunder there a little bit, but <laughs> good. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you look at all of these guys and I, I feel like, from where we initially even projected anybody. I mean, we were talking about is sauce going to be mid round first round. And now he's being mentioned in the top 10, top five. 
Uh, you talk about is Ritter going to be a first round pick? And now they're, you know, still kind of shuffling. Is, is he going to be mid first round? Is he going to be late first round? Where is he going to end up falling? As opposed to even arguing if he's going to be a first round pick. Same with Pierce. You know, people were talking about Pierce was going to be a third or a fourth round pick. Now they're talking about him as high as second round. Um, I mean, you, you keep going on through these names, and I feel like that's been the trend where they've all just progressively kept moving up the board on nearly every name to where no one right at this point is where they were at least being slotted currently with anybody who's doing any type of mock-up um, is where anywhere near where they were projected at the end of the season. Yeah. I think Des is obviously the interesting one because after the the combine and everything as well is you, you all of a sudden heard him in the first round talks but then you've heard other people talk about how you know there couldn't there could possibly what you saw McShay post something today about you know does the first quarterback get drafted with the twentieth pick you know it's just kind of weird scenarios that you never really know shake out and this does seem like one of the more you know it, it's tough to really pin down which which each teams are looking at who as you continue to prepare for the draft but you know I I'm gonna be the first to admit. I'm not a huge NFL draft guru like like Dave Simone is and and others seem to be, but the fact that there's this much mention for Cincinnati just is really it, it's still mind boggling. I, I mean, you think back what three years ago, the the first player from the University of Cincinnati to leap early as a junior decided to make that decision, and Michael Warren. Then you saw the next season, you had another one leave early in James Hudson. Now this year you've got two leaving early. It, it, it just seems like a snowball effect kind of kind of on the lines of the same trajectory of what Luke just constantly says is, you know, we want to be a team playing for championships. We want to win championships. We want to be a top 10 team. We want to be a top 10 program. It just seems like that's the progression and things are starting to head that way as well. So I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be a memorable weekend. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have heard anything else as far as where I, Chad, I know, how how deep into the NFL draft are are you as far as I I haven't here? like not a ton. I, there's 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 been a lot going on over the past ten days that oh, yeah. <laughs> there has uh, sitting down and getting to do draft homework has not exactly right. been uh, of the highest priority. So um, I, I will say, like you know, it, it the wild thing to me is every day. Every day, NFL Network and ESPN has something to say about Sauce or Dez or, you know, some of these guys that, that they consider, you know, sleepers or mid-round guys, Alec Pierce, like the list goes on and on. Right. This is not a time of the year that you see gets, gets a lot of the coverage, right? Like this is, right. they get a lot of the coverage for winning games mm-hmm. in August, you know, August through December. Um but this is this time of year you don't hear UC talked a lot about a lot. So every day, like I'll, I'll be working and I'll have my headphones on listening to something podcast or whatever. And I'll kind of have like a side eye on the TV that's over here in my office. Right. And you look and, and there's Cincinnati. Right. And then you look away and you do some work and you look back and there's Cincinnati again. And it's like the, the, advertisement the the hype that this program is getting mm-hmm. over the you know, three months since the end of the season and especially the, the last like three weeks 
you can't put a price on it. it it's 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 incredible. Yeah, I mean, kind of saw in your guys' interview with Braden Moore a little bit about how you know it's just another step in that direction. You know, right. How he he noticed all these former players getting getting drafted into the NFL and having you know success early in, in in their careers in the NFL, whether it be on special teams or getting back up fourth and down on the active rosters, and now Brian Cook's getting a big mention. So just your player, your position in particular, if you're able to make that connection, it's only it's only going to be even bigger. So I think it's it's huge. So I, I'm excited as the week wears on because this is kind of what we've mentioned numerous times is that it's going to be a big showcase of Cincinnati. And when Thursday comes, it's going to be an even bigger showcase of Cincinnati. And I hope Sauce is – all decked out, all iced out, because it's gonna be uh, gonna be awesome seeing him him get his name called and hugging Luke and then heading up onto the stage. So uh, a lot of excitement as that continues to wear on. Um, but aside from that, I think it's just more about what's gonna be coming up in the future because you see today, obviously we mentioned it on last week's pod, is the fact that Corey Kiner officially a Bearcat. So just another step in what this team is doing to get pro prospects on the team and then develop them and, and take them to the next level. Cause we constantly got that question of how many pro, you know, pro prospects do we see on the team? You know, who, who can you forecast? And now all of a sudden Corey Kiner gets added and he's right up there on the top of the list, probably with some of the others. So I don't know, a lot of things, excitement brewing as it continues to wear on and the NFL draft, man, I, it's, it's a long thing and it's normally just one of those where it's, you know, the, summer's starting to to get that feeling in the air and it's just kind of on in the background but now all the bearcat fans get to sit down and actually pay very close attention to it so um i'm excited to hear all and more importantly like the the first two days like the the uc portion has generally been on saturday you know four five six seven uh those rounds are kind of where the uc guys have uh have fallen for the most part of late now you're you're gonna get UC talked about Thursday night for a lot of the first round because you're you're gonna you're gonna have sauce and the question of where sauce is gonna go, uh, and then as soon as that question is answered, the talk's gonna be who's the first quarterback, right? You know, and if you get hypothetically you get sauce in the top three or five, and becomes the highest draft pick in program history. And then you also get Dez as like QB one. If somebody has him ranked there and, and jumps up and takes him, like <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't uh, make up how big that would be for the program. Like you couldn't you couldn't over exaggerate how big that would be if you have those two things happen. And 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 even with Dez, like it doesn't necessarily have to be QB one if if he's yeah. just you know. A first rounder, right? That that speaks volumes for you know where this program is has elevated to. No, I, and I mean you even look at it like this. So, take into effect, I I, I don't live in Cincinnati, and I I'm, I live in Indiana. No, I don't. I live in Indiana, and you do. I've gone I've gone different places. Like like this past weekend, I was down in Scottsdale, Arizona, and even three years ago. My friends probably couldn't name four players on the Bearcats. I maybe even like three for some of them. 
But this weekend, every question constantly was about what are your thoughts on Sauce? What about, oh, what about Alec? Just constantly naming all these names that are getting talked about and promoted. And, uh, you know, it's it's just the fact that that's a, a budding thing and it's only going to continue is now the fact that when you do break down Curtis Brooks tape, you see, wow, okay, when we actually break down this tape or Brian Cook's tape, you see how good they actually are. So, so then that might lead to, okay, now we're going to break down Javon Hicks' tape. Let's let's break down Malik Mann's tape. Let's break down Player X, Player Y, Jabari Taylor, you know, it, and just kind of see, wow, okay, we can actually dive in a little bit further on Cincinnati and see what the staff has been able to do crafting and developing these players into NFL prospects. So, I don't know. It's, it's going to be exciting. Aaron, I think I think you want what? Brian Cook on the Bearcat on the Bengals. That would probably be the one that you would say has has the best opportunity to stay within the state there in Cincinnati. Well, yeah. I mean, you have two safeties coming off contract years right now between Le'Veon Bell and Jesse Bates. So, um, it would be the probably the best shot as far as landing and, and sticking around. Uh, whether that be even as a backup next year or um, or otherwise, but I don't know. I mean, there's you're still talking about nine guys, so you, I mean, there's there's interior defensive line that the Bengals could certainly use help with. Um, I don't know that. I don't know that uh, Beavers is a, is a great fit for the Bengals defense, but. You know, Maje would wouldn't be. I don't know that Maje would be the the worst thing for the Bengals. Alec Pierce, he wouldn't he wouldn't start obviously, as you got a phenomenal receiving core with the Bengals. But they, if anybody goes down, you have quite a drop off right now. So I, I wouldn't be terribly upset if an Alec Pierce. There's no way he. I don't think he falls to the third round to the Bengals, uh, all the way down at that point. But if he's still hanging around in the third round, I wouldn't be upset with them. To, to pull the trigger there. So I don't know. Those are probably the ones that stick out the most for me. I think Brooks would be a good fit. I really do. Yeah. My Jay, I don't know as much because what Osahi or is that, what's that the guy's name? The guy that got hurt in training camp. Um, Oh, I, uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. You caught me off guard. Osai, Joseph Osai. Osai. So they have a My Jay. That sure. was just out hurt last year. I don't know if you take a nut like they're because they're very similar. They're undersized. They're speed rushers. Like, but you can't ever have enough edge guys, right? Sure, but I don't know if you take another one that's so similar. Not that high either, right? How about four? That's all. Not that I think. I mean, <laughs> I'm, Ford, I'm always... Ford's a name I haven't really heard much. Uh, you know, I like I, I'll say Ford and Beavers are the two that have kind of, you know, I, you you got the pop early and in a couple of stats here and there from the two of them. I think Beavers though is because it has to be a situational fit, right? Yeah. Because he's kind of a, a scheme style linebacker. Um, as you're looking for probably more of that three four defense where he kind of slots in as your. Um, as a as a linebacker in that type of system, um, so it's not necessarily a, a guy that could be drafted on any team. Mm-hmm. That said, though, um, 
the problem you run into with Ford not being mentioned a ton is I don't feel like anybody's been talking about any of these running backs a ton. Yeah. Right. I mean, running backs at this point are a dime a dozen, and it's, you know, kind of the the both sides of the coin there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I, either way, we're going to be talking a lot about the Bearcats on next yes. week's episode. A lot about how you know possible fits. You know, how, is is Des going to be able to compete against the Bengals and and you know year one at, in Pittsburgh and. Different things of that sort. There's going to be a lot of conversations next week, but you know, I just thought we had to we had to at least talk about it to open because it's it's the beginning of a monster week, um, and one that is going to really be, you know, solidified by the end of it. And uh, I do see all the players getting drafted. Yeah, I, I think all nine get drafted. Hopefully, we'll have a little a little draft preview segment tomorrow to release for you guys. I'm I'm working on a guest. Oh. It's got a it's got a big office in the lender center, seventh floor. Uh try to get get to hear from him and uh see how his week goes this week, what it looks like as he prepares to head to Vegas and uh take in the draft. It'll be interesting. Not a bad place to go. Not a bad place to go. Gosh, I I think sauce is gonna look pretty good. I think he's gonna come out. Possibly well, might win best dress. I, I That's think. the thing. He's going to be fresh to death. Like, you know, he's going to have the chain. He's got the look about him. Like, he's going to steal the show in that regard for sure. Especially because he, he has been talking so much, like, but kind of like, like talking in a good way, you know, just having that air of confidence about him. So he might not have like a super loud, bright, and colorful suit, but he's going to be. No, like, it's going to be sharp. Yeah, it's gonna be he's just gonna look like just complete business with a little bit of ice on it. So I'm or a lot of ice, if you will. So probably I'm excited for it. Probably a lot. Um the grill, the necklace. He's gonna be iced out. Make no mistake about that. We got the watch, you know, maybe. Yeah, like he's he's gonna be accessorized uh to the highest degree. Like that's the thing about it. him though, man. Like he pulls it off, like it looks yeah. like he's supposed to be iced out. A lot of guys, it looks forced. You know what I mean? You're like, come on, bro. Like, what are we doing here? Does that have anything to do with him looking like the character from uh, The Incredibles? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's just he's so long that it, like, yeah. nothing looks, like, right. oversized. Like, it doesn't look out of place. I think even, like, the sauce is as, as gaudy as that is. It, is it just looks right on him. You know what I mean? Right. Like mm-hmm. it fits. It fills the space perfectly, if you will. Right. And the way he's filled out too, it's kind of like, you know, I I mean like his suits that, that we've seen him in recently, just, you know, since the, the draft coverage have, has, has come out. He's just looks, looks good. Looks fittable well, for a top 10 NFL pick. On that point, Brent, I agree because if he, he's wearing that chain at a buck 60 freshman year, <laughs> It looks it a little ridiculous, it look, right? It looks a little it ridiculous. Doesn't look the same. Probably weigh him down a little bit too. We'd be hunched <laughs> over the whole time. But no, it's a. It'll be looking good. Um, I'm interested. I can to see already what they tell get. you what's going to be my favorite part. What is it? The draft It's going to be Brady on national TV. Oh yeah, the fourth member of this podcast is going to get his glow up on national TV at Sauce's table. Is Brady going to wear any ice? Do we think? Oh, uh, should we should we call him? <laughs> I think we should. <laughs> oh, send him like a BB, like a like a BCJ medallion, 
and just have. I need to get. I need to get one. I need to get one. <laughs> I need to get some BCJ ice. If there's a jeweler out there that wants to do some promotional BCJ ice, uh, I'll wear it on the podcast every night. <laughs> Aaron, you're you're not gonna say you you'd rock a little BCJ ice. Come on, come on. Maybe a maybe a three finger ring with BCJ. Oh hell no. Ooh, just say BCJ and there then the other one. No three finger ring ever. It'll be like you know the Rick James ring that he punched at Charlie Murphy in the forehead with, and it said Unity. <laughs> but it would say BCJ. Yeah, right. or just get the logo, like get the logo on a iced out on a ring. Ooh. Bang, bang somebody in the head. They just got the BCJ logo on their forehead. Ooh. I'm liking the sound of this. So it'd have to be backwards. Yeah, of course. Look good. Look good. Yeah. I mean, you could know. also use it for like, you know, wax seals. I don't think I've got all the drip, Jeffrey Inman. I have all the drip. If I had a BCJ iced out chain, come on. I think you're pretty iced out, Chad. You've got got some some good flow, for sure. Especially when you randomly pop up on uh, on on Twitter on other people's feeds in like a video or something. Always, always decked out in a good BC. Oh, dude, I'm all over. Like, if you look at the Collier videos and the Tyler McKinley videos, yeah, uh, from this weekend, I'm all over those videos. You got, you got to pay attention along the baseline. Is that the the Chad having his face superimposed on the guy in the robe? Dance. No, that's not it. No, that's that's me out there grinding, Aaron. While you're while you're mowing that's, the grass, that's my zero favorite. turn. While you're out there mowing the grass in the zero turn, I'm out on the road. Making things happen, son. <laughs> well, see, I'll show you in a second the problem with the hat, Jeffrey. I would, I would prefer to wear the hat forwards in the podcast. But there's a but. Shadow. It's the shadow. Hmm. I, I guess I need to get a like a, a light that shoots up, like from the corner of my desk, because or... this doesn't look good. Yeah. Yeah. Right, like you, you look a little mysterious, it. though. You know, I'd have to do the podcast like this if I wore the the hat forward. Then you and have a little snarl, and then you'll be the the hidden gem of the draft, Curtis, Curtis Brooks. There you go, lock it in. I mean, so that way, if I do it this way, I don't have the shadow. Like if I wore it forwards, it would make more sense because the logo would be front facing, and and you know, you wouldn't. I have to do anything like stretch out and show off the new BCJ quarter zip that I'm rocking tonight for 513 shirts. The new Bearcat Journal collection is in. Get yourself to 513shirts.com. Uh, Get yourself the quarter zip. I got the uh, I got the polo uh, right over there on the other side. Maybe, maybe I'll do a wardrobe change uh, in the middle of the show and, and rock the polo the second half. There we go. Yeah. And then do it like without telling anyone and see if anyone notice. We'll see. There you go. I'm Keep sure on, they would. It's, 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 a, it's the red one. So it's, uh, uh, ooh, that'd be pretty it's bright. quite a bit. It's quite a contrast to the, pretty, uh, the quarter. Right um, well, anything more on the draft guys? Cause obviously we can just, it's, it's been two months leading up of just constant talk about this and prospects and where X player might go and first round, second round, third round, top 100, top 150. So, I think it's just time for the draft to come. 
and then we can talk break down what's happening after that. But uh, had to touch on it. It's it's exciting. Um, Chad, would you say it's above the the appearance in the Cotton Bowl? In terms of in terms of like national perception, no. Um, but in terms of like the impact that it has on recruiting, I think it's more important because again, we've talked about this before. This is what kids want, man. They want to commit to you knowing yeah. they're going to have their shot to make it in the NFL. Like that's, that's the goal. That's, that's what they aspire to. Uh, we may not think of it that way as fans, but that's what they want. Like they want to play in the league and you give them a chance to play in the league uh, and show them you come here and and you show out and you can be a top five pick or you can be the number one player at your position. Like that stuff all matters a lot when you're selling kids, like when you're getting a kid to fall in love with you. Right. Cause that's what this comes down to. You got to get the recruit to fall in love with their vision of success. Right. And they all want to go play at the next level and make millions of dollars and support their mom. And, you know, like that's the dream. And this weekend is going to be an opportunity for Cincinnati to show, look, the, uh, the dream is, is very real here. I think the main thing I'm going to miss of the buildup is, you know, Dan Orlovsky's continuous standing of Desmond Ritter. I, yeah. I love it. Love it. Thank you, Dan Orlovsky, for that. Uh, saw him actually in the press box. I forget which game it was, and he is tall. Can't confirm the man is tall. Um, point him out. You were somewhere. I was walking to the elevator and he was leaving. So hmm. could have been one of those where it was like after the game and I don't know, figuring hmm. it out. But yeah, the man's tall. That's it. Locking in. Um and, and whoever doesn't is, know where the back of the end zone is either. Oh man. Oof. Dan, <laughs> you heard that? Didn't didn't come out of my mouth. <laughs> but no. It, and then of course pro football focus, man. They uh they are a, a big promoter of the Bearcats as well because the numbers don't lie, and the analytics definitely back up the fact that the Bearcats are true talents and just can't wait to see where they go now. And um, I, I do hope for the sake of, of every one of the NFL fans out there, at least one of them falls on your team, and uh, the odds are pretty strong, nine of them. So we'll see. Uh, I guess the other big news of the day, obviously, Corey Kiner, officially a Bearcat. There, there's no – worries about that but it raises the question to me now is the fact that what may first as well is for football players to uh enter the portal if they need to this that and the other it seems like there was a lot of buzz in the portal for on the football side of things we you know we've been talking about the basketball side of the portal for a long time but you saw a lot of movement in, on the football side of things as well today um chad i know this is Obviously, uh, it would be a forecasting thing, but could you see the possibility of another player within the next few odd days heading in there that Cincinnati might have some sort of a of a feel towards, or is that kind of would you say Kiner no. was the one, and now it's like kind of the recruiting side of things? Yeah, I mean Kiner was the one that we knew if he went in the portal, Cincinnati was instantly going to have interest. Right. right. Um, I don't know of any others at this point. I think it's just going to be a matter of if they see guys at defensive end, if they see guys at corner, 
like they're going to do their due diligence, see if they've got any connections, see where things, you know, might fall uh, and then decide if they want to make a play or not. I, there's nothing really at this point that I'm like, okay, I got my eye on this guy or, okay, let's see, let's see how this plays out. Um, but we're seeing a lot more guys this year uh, enter the portal after spring ball than we saw a year ago. So that part's going to be fascinating. Really and is. a lot of teams had their spring game Saturday, last, you know, two days ago. So you could see even more uh, names hitting the portal that, that are of, you know, at least like positional interest uh, as we go through these next couple of weeks. Um, it was good to hear. I, I believe this is Luke's uh, first comments about it, obviously, because it was na- you know, made official today. He said, I'm excited to welcome Corey and his family to our Bearcat football, to our Cincinnati football program. Corey is a tough, explosive, and smart football player who we expect to have an immediate impact on our football team. He has a tremendous drive to succeed on and off the field. I know he's excited to come home and play in front of friends and family at Nippert Stadium. And we are thrilled to have them. So, you know, been a lot of talk about it, a lot of breaking down of uh, of the addition of of Corey Kiner, and yet again, here we are talking about a, another big time athlete coming in to carry the torch of what all these great players have done before. So, Kiner official, four star Jaden Thompson, four star Lenny Taylor, Josh Wiley, uh, four star Josh. Well, I think Josh was a high three. Unfortunately, I don't think he? he made the four. Jaheim. Um, well, I'm just talking on offense. Oh, on offense, I, yeah. Yeah, and then four-star Corey Kiner. You've got wide receiver, tight end, uh, running back all in that four-star range. Now on your offense. Evan Prater, too. Four-star Evan Prater. Like, you know, that it, all of a sudden you look around the offense with the weapons, and you're like, huh. The talent is right up there with, you know, most of college football. And the entire starting offensive line is back. <laughs> so, uh, go ahead and lock that one in. It'd be a lot of excitement. But do we do a little little timestamp? Are we ready to move on to? Well, to the- one thing I wanted to bring up, um, I ran across this tweet, and I know we talked about this earlier in the podcast, um, as far as the free advertising goes with all this commercialization and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was, I, I had saved this earlier this week, um, but right. there was a record-breaking 25,000-plus applications for the upcoming academic year up 10% versus 2021. Um, that's just, that came actually from uh, Nick Bauer, um, but that was just outrageous to see the applications up that high for UC. So that's just, just goes to show that this has been nothing but a giant commercial for UC this year. Yeah. The entire yeah, thing that's- has. And that's what you say to that chump professor from UC Claremont every year that says, wow, they're spending too much money on athletics. Yeah, it's a commercial so that they can pay your salary, Einstein. Or whoever writes the op-ed pieces for the school paper. Well, but it's always that one guy from UC Claremont that they go to for the faculty. The faculty, yeah, the faculty has a problem. Blah, blah, blah. Shut up, nerds. (laughs) <laughs> well they uh they shouldn't have a problem anymore if it continues up this path so no they um, still will they still will yeah true those people always have to find something to, to complain about and that they will 
Um, a little time for a time, time stamp, unless you guys have anything else football-related. We'll dive into some basketball talk. Brent, are you curious to explore what lies beyond standard craft beer? Yeah. You could take a trip to Urban Artifact. They don't make beer. They make fruit tarts. Wow. Come see what the world of real fruit beer has to offer. Swing by Urban Artifacts, Northside Tap Room. Mention Bearcat Journal. Get $2 off a flight of four tasters. What you got tonight? Hey, Aaron. I went back to Teak. Wow. Aaron, for the first time ever. Oh. We hit, it, we hit it at the same time. Well yeah. done. And you know what? Same page tonight, boys. I'm gonna say a huge shout out to Urban Artifact because after the weekend I just had, like the last thing I wanted to do tonight was partake in some libations. But uh, hey, it's a it's all for you and all for the uh, red vino. It's refreshing, right? It's refreshing. It's not a it's not a heavy libation. It's a light, refreshing libation. Yeah, I I did get my uh, I did get my first tweet this weekend referencing that that they were drinking an Urban Artifact. Really. And they had a yeah, they had a gadget. Oh, um, trying to see if I have that. I mean, it's not there can't be that uh, yeah, much was, in your mentions, right? No, there's not. It was Brandon Norbeck. I just didn't have the app open. I'm sorry. Um, okay. It was Brandon Norbeck. So shout out to Brandon Norbeck for uh, for for trying the Urban Artifact this weekend. And right. For weekends like this, I I try and hide my Twitter so that I have no chance of opening it up and just <laughs> completely stay away. Whatever news I need will somehow matriculate back to me some way, somehow. So, um, big shout out to Urban Artifact. Uh, big shout out to uh, to all of our sponsors. But uh, time time to roll into basketball. Um, we did not mention the because it didn't happen before this. Rob Fantasy has committed since. We last talked, uh, Chad. I think you and Dave might have <laughs> that mentioned. That feels like three weeks ago, Rob. That's the kind that that yeah. That's the kind of week that like the the past oh, ten days like has three just weeks been. Ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. That was, there's that was so on, much that's been happening. What that was Wednesday night. He, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Dropped yeah. his commitment, man. But uh, yeah, it's a Rob fantasy. Um, the, the main thing I liked about him is the fact that when when you you're go an Indiana back, guy. you're an Indiana fan. Yeah, it's my it's my alumnus, but I, I, people hated me. Well, I'm just I, saying, enlighten me on him. Like you, yeah. you know, you've watched him for four years. Yeah, well, yeah, the thing. That the words alma mater, Brent. Alma mater. Yeah, I'm the alumnus, right? Yes. Yeah, there you go. Right. But uh, yeah, so the thing about uh, might as well me. Me at, I would go to games at Assembly Hall at IU, wearing Cincinnati gear, and like people just hated me, hated me for it. But anyway, that's a different story for a different time. But Rob Fantasy, he was a guy where you saw him start many games as a true freshman, and you kind of thought he was going to take off and be like the next Yogi Ferrell type, just you know, point guard star under under Archie Miller at IU. Uh, the the thing is, a, a lot of my IU friends kind of say that Archie's coaching tactics were a little combative with maybe what, you know, Rob needed or something along those lines, but he had a strong freshman year. Um, This past season numbers were a little down, but they brought in Xavier Johnson pit transfer, big time guy. So 
you know, obviously the numbers will, will falter a little bit, but you look back at Mike Woodson and the things that he was saying about Rob early in the season is that, you know, Rob understands how much we need him and how much I believe in him and how much faith I have in him and how much he needs to start shooting the ball more. And, and we, you know, if the first few shots don't go in, keep shooting it because we believe in you. So, you know, kind of just that faith and that trust in your point guard like Rob is, is big. And I think that you saw in everyone's mentions, once he committed, it was just like, good luck, Rob, you know, go, go kill him. You're going to do great. Like it, nothing but positivity coming out of it. You know, you saw Dane Fife had some mentions about it, you know, just the, the main thing that hurt him this past season was, was an injury and it was a plantar fascia or, you know, whatever it is. And he, it, it kind of derailed. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of derailed the start that he was beginning to, to string together some good games. You know, he had a, Saw a game against Notre Dame where he hit a hit a three in like closing minutes of the game to kind of boost them ahead and uh, pull out the win. And then of course he also had the the huge game against Purdue where he scored 17 points in the first half and then came back in the second half, didn't score but hit the game winner. And so it's kind of one of those where you know he has the ability to fill it up. He was four for seven from deep in that game. Then the injury happened, was out 10 games, but. The thing that he obviously has is, is defense. Uh, I think a lot of people would say he's one of the better perimeter defenders in the Big Ten last year, and he just has so much experience. I mean, talking about a guy that played in the Big Ten at IU, a storied program. He, he was recruited by a lot of big-name schools. Uh, I mean, I, it's there's a lot of things to like, and if he can con- continue to stay healthy and – kind of find his role and, and fit the mold of toughness and defense on the perimeter and knocking down some timely shots. I, I don't see how this is going to be too, too. I like it personally. I, I think it was a great addition. You want toughness. You know, if Mike Roberts is going to be the one really pumping him up and then, you know, Wes Miller's point guard himself and he sees some things that he likes in there and, and Rob, then he's going to bring him in. I also think, you know, a lot of people mentioned the, the smaller backcourt. And I want your guys' take on this with Rob and David DeJulius out there. But I I don't think if, if it was that big of an issue, I don't think the staff would have brought in Rob. And so, Here's the thing. yeah. You know this from watching a bunch of Indiana games. Rob doesn't play small. No. Rob can guard one through three. Like, right. he, he's not a guy that – the problem with playing a small backcourt is if they play small and you have teams just shooting over the top of you. Like right. – that's where the problem becomes, you know, hard to escape mm-hmm. because you don't have the length and the ability to just shut a team down or to right. slow a team down. And I talk, I, I, you guys probably get sick of me talking about this, but what matters to me more than anything is if you have a team that's good enough to compete, mm-hmm. the easiest path to winning for me is shutting teams down over the final five minutes of a game. Right. And being able to get those stops late. And Cincinnati didn't have that ability in their backcourt last year. They couldn't just buckle down and take you out of what you wanted to do and make you uncomfortable at the end of games. And Rob, as a point guard, is the head of the snake. And that, you know, uh, situation. So you're you're going to have the ability with Rob 
to take away the opponent's best perimeter player. Now, combine that with Newman. So let's say their best perimeter player is a three. Mm -hmm. Now you have Newman's ability to take that guy away, and Rob can handle the one or the two, and whoever the second best scoring option is. And I thought if you watched last year, I thought David played good defense for most of the season. Oh, he, I, I think he had some games where he was so locked in at the end of the games. I, you know, at Wichita State is one game that comes to mind where he was just really amped up on both sides of the ball. I, I agree. I thought he played really good defense. So, so if Dave is now guarding the third best player on the perimeter, things all just kind of slide into place a lot better than they did last year where, you know, you were forcing guys to to do things that they weren't capable of. Right. Like you were demanding, we need, you have to do this if we're going to be successful. And they just didn't have it in them. So now you kind of, you're correcting that already on the perimeter. And then if they can finish out this last piece that was on campus this weekend, well, we're gonna now all of a sudden, that. like now all of a sudden you just look a lot different. Uh, as we're getting ready to to start looking fully ahead and finding opponents and scheduling and all that stuff, like now you're starting to feel a lot better about where things are at. Yeah, Aaron, your your thoughts on the the addition of Rob Fantasy, and then of course, kind of just the the thoughts of a of, of a shorter backcourt. Which I'm not going to compare this team to Baylor from two years ago because that was an offensive juggernaut. They were able to do it offensively and then defensively as well, but they had three starting guards in their lineup that were all six, four or shorter, you know, one, six, one, six, two, and then six, four, I believe. If, if you think my CO Teague is, is six, four, but Aaron, your, your thoughts on the addition of Rob. And then of course, just kind of how you think he fits in, in the backcourt with David DeJulius. Well, of course, I'm not surprised by you being the eternal optimist that you are totally happy about the move. Because I am also happy about the move, but I'm okay. just not surprised that, of course, you were just. Let's I mean, go. you're afraid of his free throw uh, shooting. There's no doubt about that. You're afraid of his shooting I, percentages. Am overall. I? Because every, everyone on the team already. Like, we're used to bad free throw percentages. I'm not worried about free throw. We've lived a tw- two decades right. of bad free throw percentages. Right. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, for me, though, and I brought this up on the nightcap, and I think it's worth mentioning again um, the night that we uh, that he announced that he was going to be coming here is that you know everyone wants to point at his numbers over the course of his time in Indiana, which right. that's all you have to go by. I totally understand that. What I think kind of gets lost is how high he was as a recruit when he came out. Uh, I believe he was a four-star recruit when he when he went to Indiana, mm-hmm. um, and. I, I don't know. I mean, he was obviously injured, but there was also some coaching changes done during his time at Indiana. And you just wonder how much kind of got lost in that shuffle of, you know, being young in the system and then having to switch systems. And, you know, maybe it just wasn't a good marriage for player and coach. And obviously something was broken enough for him to want to transfer out of Indiana. So, you know, maybe this is a time where he kind of got to experience that whole free agency thing where it's like, I need to find the system that's right for me, where I get along with the coach who's going to look for 
the most I can bring to a team. And I think that you have an opportunity with a guy who at some point was thought of as a very skilled player to maybe tap into some of that skill that has kind of gotten lost in some of the shuffle of, of coaching over the years. So he had offers out of high school from Indiana, Georgetown, Ohio state, Purdue, Virginia, and I'm sure there's many more, but I I mean, those are, that's, that's a good offer list. It's a really good offer list, you know? And and if, if he was, you know, coming in straight out of high school, there'll be a lot of excitement, but yes, like you said, now you have all these stats throughout his four years at IU that kind of, you know, you kind of look at a little bit, but he always had a good assisted turnover ratio, which is what you, what, you know, obviously coach Miller really liked that out of Micah last year as well. Um, plays really good defense on the perimeter. I think, you know, some of the tweets I was seeing was that, you know, if you were a, a, a coach in the big 10, like this past season, you feared seeing Rob Finnessy defending your backcourt throughout the game. So, it, you know, a lot of positives to bring out of it. And then of course we, we touched on that Purdue game a lot, but I mean, Indiana had just lost, I think it was like 10 straight to Purdue. Uh, since 2016 was the last time they beat Purdue. And Rob scores 17 in the first half. And then kind of goes quiet in the second. But then with the game on the line, Woodson drew up a play for Trace Jackson Davis. And I I believe Rob was the one who said, no, I want to shoot the shot. You know, this is a – he's from Lafayette. He wants to be able to take down the uh, the Boilermakers. And and he he knocked down the shot. And, I mean – he was being hoisted up on by all the fans. I mean, he's he's a guy that's loved by the fan base. Just one that, you know, hey, maybe in this new new change of scenery, his, the numbers do reflect the type of play that he has. So yes. we'll uh, let's see what comes out of that. But Rob Fantasy is a, a good player. Ideally, too, with the roster that's being assembled currently, ideally he won't have to shoot it that much unless no. they're actually getting that out of him. You know what I mean? So, like – that isn't necessarily a thing that has to happen for him. If he's chipping in, you know, anywhere between six and 10, I think that you're doing just fine. I mean, think about all the open looks that Micah had last year and even, even Mikey as well. You know, it it just, if those are available for Rob and he's able to knock them down, then, then who knows? Uh, Chad and Aaron, I want to know your thoughts. Another thing that you think about with, with David and Rob out there, I don't know if this is going to lead to West trying to instill or install more of his pressing defense, if you will. I don't know if you want more length out there when you press or if you want that speed that the two guards will kind of have mm-hmm. out on the perimeter as well. But I don't know. It, it seems as if they, they want to press. They've got two guys at the you know, at the head of the snake, if you will, that could really you know sit down and, and, and defend you in the backcourt. Chad, do you think they'll, they'll I mean, go to the press the, more? The, the interest, I, I think they will. Like Wes wants to, certainly. Right. Um, where you get in trouble with the press is doing it with two guys that teams can just throw over, right? Like mm-hmm. um, that's where it becomes a problem because you never get a chance to really get into it because teams are just throwing over your guards before you know they really have a chance to like right. set the pressure, set the trap. Um, I think with, with Rob and David, you could do more token pressure where essentially you're just trying to keep the team from getting in their offense until 16, 17 seconds left on the shot clock. Cause you, 
you know, you make them uh, work to get it over the timeline. They get it over the timeline in 22 seconds. Then they have to set up into, you know, the, the switch from your standard half court off. You know, you've got to switch from your press break offense into your standard half court offense. That takes a couple seconds. And now you're at like 16, 17 seconds for teams to run their stuff, which benefits the defense because then it's it's difficult to get into like the second layer of moving the defense from side to side. Um, you know, that's what you're trying to do. Get the ball from one side, reverse it, get it back to the other side. Now you're making the defense help and scramble. Um, and, and if you get teams down to 15, 16 seconds when they're just getting started, now they're kind of rushing a little bit. Now, you know, it, it plays into your hands. Um, where it could be a problem is, is like, you know, trying to run and jump or trying to really like trap teams uh, full court. Uh, the, the smaller guys make that a little bit more difficult. Well, I, you know, it's, it's one of those as well where you also have that experience on the bench in Mike Adams Woods, who, who does have good defense and does have good length, who could come in if foul trouble were to add up, if you were to start pressing a little bit more. I don't know if that was something that had some sort of effect this past season, or obviously it was just first season, not a lot of practice time, but um, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do as far as getting him out there. Chad, did you hear anything else from the people within Cincinnati, how they felt about Rob coming and, and, and picking the squad? He's officially signed, correct? So I, I believe they're able to at least say some things off the record if need be. You don't have to mention any names, but they, they probably had to be pretty excited with, with the addition of, of fantasy. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the staff is – that's they were looking for toughness. They were looking for defense, um, you know. This is this is what they were looking for uh, in terms of, of the type of intangibles that they were looking to add to this roster. I, I think, you know, we've talked about this. I, I think you've got a roster of good guys. I think you've got a roster of guys that try hard. Um, but the reality is it goes back to, again, what I like. Toughness is being able to grind out stops in the final five minutes of a game to get a win. Right. That's toughness. Like, it, it's not – People hear toughness and they think of like who's going to win in a fight. Eric Hicks, right? Like uh, while that is is some of it, you know, <laughs> the, the reality is like the toughness that they're talking about is functional. It's you know, it's it's something that impacts winning and losing in basketball games. It's mm -hmm. getting on the floor for 50-50 balls. It's making plays down the stretch on both ends of the floor. It's stepping to the line and hitting your free throws, you know, when the pressure's on. Right. Um, those are functional toughness things that, let's be honest, this team lost a lot of close games. The, the functional toughness of last year's team was not a strength. The, the, the ability to really dial in in the closing minutes of a game and get out of there, you know, get out of a, an opponent's gym with a W. That's right. functional toughness. And Rob Fennessy brings functional toughness to this roster. And guess what? Getting out of Greensboro and Tulsa and New Orleans with wins is a hell of a lot easier than getting out of West Lafayette and Ann Arbor and East Lansing. Like, yeah, there's a significant difference there. 
uh, for fantasy as he steps down a level for his final year. Exactly. And, and the, another thing is, as a junior, he was a team captain, um, which is obviously you've seen it throughout the Cincinnati Bengals. It's a, that's an invaluable trait is to have that leadership and have the ability to have the rest of your team really look to you for that leadership. So uh, welcome, Rob Fennessey, uh, big time. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's another thing where you go, go from the, a level up, if you will, the Big Ten Conference to the AAC, you know. Or, or level down, if you will. So, you know, there's the constant debate on is it is it harder to, to rise, take one of these, you know, Horizon League Play of the Year or, you know, SOCOM Player of the Year and take him, bring him in, what's he going to do? Or how about a guy who played 100, 100 games against high-level competition? So, Rob Fennessy in the fold. And, sure, his offense might lack at times, and maybe it, it does take a little bit of a jump, but it's not really needed. You know what, Chad and Aaron? I think – uh if the guy who was on campus this past weekend and I believe finished up his visit today were to decide to become a Bearcat, I think the uh, offensive side of things gets a surely heightened jolt, and that's uh, Landers Nolly, who was on campus today uh, and yesterday, made a visit, and um, are these consider these are considered official visits, right, or is it kind of? A lingo that's not really refined, or uh, hold on, hold on one second. Um... All right, Dave. <laughs> no, this is this is work stuff, not like oh, I'm just bored uh, texting people. Um, go, what was that again? I'm sorry. Uh, are these considered official visits? Is, is that what? Yeah, they're official visits. All right. Um, well, spill your knowledge on us. Uh, how the... <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, they're official. Like, uh, uh, Landers Nolly is what we're talking yeah. about. Um, yeah, it's an official. I mean, it was an official visit. Okay, so he was he was in town. They went to the zoo. Uh, he's got a three year adult, three year old daughter who's obviously a big part that of was, his life. That was VIP content on the message board. Well, that's what happens when you let me talk and not you. I'm sorry. I had, a, I had an important work text okay. that, was, that was coming through. I'm texting with somebody important. I um, the official visit, uh, I know as his mom was here, uh, his daughter was with him. Um, they, uh, they had a good time from what I understand. Apparently he went out uh, with some of the old heads. DJ and a couple of those guys on Friday night when he got to town um, and then did the standard visit stuff on Saturday uh, outside of going to the zoo and, uh, you know, went to dinner with the staff last night, was here through, I think, late morning um, and then was traveling back to Atlanta with his daughter today. Um, and, you know, I guess this is, the hurry up and wait portion of the process. I, I have not heard that a uh, that a decision has been reached yet. Um, I also have not heard of, of any other uh, visits being set up. I know there was some like uh, some questioning as to how this all went down. Um, and it, it, it makes me wonder about like the the seriousness of the NC State stuff. Right. Because um, from what I heard, like 
no surprise, we've heard this from others before, the kid didn't have much desire to play in the American Athletic Conference again. But I think you look at, you had a connection with Chad Dollar, uh, who recruited him in South Florida, recruited him again when he was at Georgia, when he entered the transfer portal, now is recruiting him for a third time. Uh, so there was a lot of, you know, a lot of familiarity and interest there between Dollar uh, and uh, Nolly. I've also heard that Andre Morgan had a connection to his high school coach. Um, you know, just a, a, a lot of a lot of familiarity between the staff and Landers. And when he didn't necessarily see exactly what he was looking for on the first two visits, I think that kind of opened the door for Cincinnati, who tried to get in there early and were told, you know, probably not going to happen, to come back around the second time and say, look, we're what you're looking for. Like, don't let it – don't let the fact that we're in the American get in the way of this. Like, you know, the things that you are desiring, we have the ability to give you. And, you know, I think that was was important in reopening that door or at least – getting Cincinnati a chance to make their pitch. Now, did it work? You know, we don't know yet. Um, But I I think from everything I've heard, they feel comfortable with the way the visit went. They feel comfortable with their connection to Landers Nolly. Um, Now you just got to, you know, hope he goes home and thinks about it. And and his daughter is like, Daddy, I want to go see Fiona again. (laughs) You know, Daddy, I like the giraffes. Like, you know, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and maybe that's uh, enough to get him to get him here to Cincinnati. Um, you know, and, and we talk about offense and, and wanting a player to come in and have that, the length and the ability on the offensive end. I mean, he fits that mold perfectly. Uh, he, his very first collegiate game actually at, at Virginia tech, they played at Clemson. How about this? He dropped 30 points. He was four of eight from three. Uh, well, I mean, that that's the thing that's important here, Brent. Yeah. He would be featured on offense here. At Memphis, right. he wasn't like, you know, he was a guy, like one of their guys. Right, right. Um, at at Virginia Tech, he was he was kind of their their guy as a true freshman. Averaged 15 points a game. He was his first team all freshman uh, mm-hmm. ACC. Um and then at Memphis, it just kind of they had a lot of other guys that that needed the ball, and he kind of became like a second fiddle, if you will. Right. And he's looking to go back somewhere where he's going to be one of the feature guys on offense. And, and let's be honest with each other, he'd be right there with David as the best, you know, one of the one or two best offensive players on this team. Um, and it would allow you to maybe slide Jeremiah down into a more comfortable position where he could be a more efficient scorer and still give you that double digit scoring pop, but not be relied on. Like, I mean, remember, remember last year, man, if, if one of the two of Dave and Jeremiah wasn't on, yeah, it was a struggle. Like it was a real, real struggle. So right. now, you know, you stack another guy in there and, 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 and add a, a fourth guy in there and maybe a pay you know, who would at this pace trend to be a double digit scorer in the American. Right. And imagine how much different that roster looks last year. If you have four double digit scores on yeah. average every night and, and think about how many close games they had 
you know, where they didn't have that pop to get over the hump and put a team away. Um, By the way, you have Skillings and Reed coming off yeah. the bench. <laughs> well, and, and 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 you would potentially, you know, have have Micah Hensley. and and Hensley. Well, and 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 Newman and Nolly are you know play the same position. Vic. So Vic. Well, but what if you know which one, one of those two is probably going to have to come off the bench? So now all of a sudden. Your bench gets stronger. Your starting lineup gets stronger. Yep. And all of a sudden, the, the team that takes the floor, and that's what I tried to express to people as everybody was freaking out. Like, let's who cares about being fast in the transfer portal? Get it right. And if they can land Nolly, they will have gotten the toughness at the head of the snake at point guard at Rob Fennessy. They will have added a 6'7 wing that can shoot and defend and rebound and makes you better in a lot of different ways. And they'll have added a, a six eight, you know, physical, aggressive big man that can knock down a mid range shot. Knock down a mid range shot. That can that, look how different this team looks on the glass with Ezek Pay and and Nolly on the floor. Yeah, you know, both of those guys are six seven rebound a game guys. And all of a sudden, you're not getting bullied on the defensive glass. Teams aren't getting twenty four points a game and second chance points. Uh, as was the case in some of their like their their worst performances of the year, mm-hmm. and now you have a roster that looks top to bottom very functional. Like that's my new word uh, this functional? spring: functional. Because that's a lot fun. of things last year weren't functional. The roster wasn't functional. Their performance over the the final six weeks of the season wasn't functional. Like you've got to get back to being functional. Yeah, and and. Wes has so far with the two additions done that. Um, and with the third one, if he can land Nolly, that's exactly what this roster was missing when you include those first two guys into what the, the roster looks like as it stands. And, you know, for, for me, of course, there were a lot of, a lot of hands that needed to get the ball at Memphis this past season. And I, I mean, I, towards the end of the year, I would break Memphis down as, as one of the, probably the top 20 teams in the country. Um, maybe even better than that. I think Bartorvik had them as like top five over the last like month and a half going into that Gonzaga game where they were leading them at, at, at certain moments. So there was a lot of heavy, heavy talent on that team. But one of their biggest games when they were kind of really struggling to find their footing and, you know, they, they went through the grind of playing these tough, you know, at UCF, which was a loss. And then, you know, they play UCF and Tulane back-to-back games. But then it was that game at Houston, you know, back in the in, in middle of February. And he was their best player. He was the best player on the court. Scored 20, 20 points in that game. Six to six on the line. Four or five from three. Brought that offensive punch in a very physical, very tough game at Houston. And that was kind of the game that kind of springboarded them back into the talks of being this team that's going to make the NCAA tournament. And he was the one who stepped up and put out the performance that was needed in order to do that. So, you know, I think he, he, he'd be an amazing addition. And I think that there's two guys, obviously, who came on visits recently. And, and, and Kalu or, or Aaron, do you want to say Kayu? And, of course, Rob I'm not, Fennessey. I'm not allowed to say that anymore. They, they came on their visits, and Wes was able to do what was necessary in order to bring, you know, bring them to the point of committing to the Bearcats. So that's, uh, that's two, two big-time visits and two completions. We'll see how the third visit comes out. And uh, Landers Nolly, he, 
He also was able to see kind of how the UC fan base is. He played against West Miller in two really good games this past season. Uh, so he's he's familiar with with some with the players on the team and what they bring out to the court. Uh, so it's uh, it's one to keep track on. Like like you said, I don't think a decision's imminent or imminent as of right now. That got it on the second try right there. Um, but uh, yeah, I I mean his uh, yeah I had a I had a long weekend. The brain cells are just slowly starting to come back. Um, but no, it's gonna it, it'll be. It'd be fun to see, you know, how this continues to wear on because after after his NC State visit, it sounded like all signs were pointing towards them possibly. And like you said, now th- some things have changed, and uh, we'll see if the staff is able to lock him down. And he would be obviously a massive, massive commitment and a big rise to to uh, to the team. So we'll have to see how how it comes out. And if you know how to really break down emojis, then uh, just take take a look at his last uh, last tweet and let's see let's see how good of a job you can do on that front because one of those is, that just keep you thinking. Um, that's it for the the portal. You know, I think uh, portal talks as of now. I, I think what you had Davis come, brought out his top five with which was kind of funny because it only had four pictures on it and he said, oh by the way. Uh, BYU is also a part of this top five, but they just aren't in the picture, which is kind of funny. Um, and then uh, McNeil decided he's going to go to Ohio State, so it, it, it kind of it's all shaking out and, and getting figured out. But Landers Nolly was just obviously a, a huge surprise visitor this weekend and a huge visitor at, on all fronts. So we'll see how that shakes out. Um, Chad, you were in in town in Indiana this past uh, past weekend, and I was. You were yet again able to see what two weeks ago, three three weeks ago was Rayvon. You you were in person. Two weeks 10. ago, yeah. Two, two weeks, weeks ago, ago, I was there. Get, got to see Rayvon play three games. I think I caught mm-hmm. uh, of Rayvon that weekend, and it was he was he was outstanding all weekend. So right. the Brendel curse did not strike <laughs> uh, two weekends ago. It, it tends to happen on the fringe guys. Yeah, like the guys that I really need to get an evaluation on, like Rayvon's a top fifty kid. Like you don't need uh, a detail, like overly detailed, right. like you know, deep dive into his evaluation. But it feels um, good to get there and then be sure, like, oh. sure, you're sure, 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 sure. Uh, and then this week it was uh, two, three guys in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, one was kind of a bit of a surprise, and Arrington Page. Uh, but I got a long, a nice long look at Isaiah Collier and then, uh, a, a brief look at Tyler McKinley, both of those guys, Collier and McKinley, uh, they would make a lot of difference in Clifton, a lot of difference. Collier, of course, 23 McKinley, the 2024 power forward from, uh, Walnut Hills. So, yeah. Tell us more about Collier. Um, obviously, the passing ability is off the charts, but uh, what what is it this past weekend that kind of just you know this guy? It's the passing. It's the. I mean, uh, the. I mean, he did have a big second half to the weekend shooting the ball. Right. Um, he's not a knockdown shooter by any stretch, but to see him go six for twelve on Saturday night and then. 
uh, come back on Sunday morning and knock down four of six. Um, and, and different styles too, some off the pull up, some off the catch and shoot, um, getting a seat, getting to see him do it in a, in a couple different ways makes you feel like at least it's in there. Like he might not be consistent at it yet, but he's got a decent looking jump shot. It, it, it doesn't look broken by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Um, so Walnut Hills. Yeah. That's what I said. Right. You said, um, that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. Sometimes I say stuff, my brain just short circuits, and I say things I don't mean. I think I think Stephen was referencing. He's also a Walnut Hills. Oh uh, yeah! Uh, congratulations, Stephen. They are smart Proud as hell. Uh, McKinley, smart as hell. Uh, Jawan Briggs, smart as hell. Stephen, undecided. We, we don't. We can't confirm or deny that at this point. Um, back to Nolly real quick. Uh, is he a? Is he's a small forward? So, like traditional Wayne, right? small forward, six seven wing, yeah. can shoot it, long, good defender on the perimeter. Um, yeah, he's 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 a two or a three. I'd lean more towards a three. Um, just kidding, Steven. It's just a joke. It's okay. We joke <laughs> a lot here. That's what we do. Um, but you know what I to, like what Nolly does too. He, his his pull up jays are good too. But yeah, let's continue. Yeah, uh, Collier just. My goodness, the vision he has with the ball in his hands is next level. And that's why most of the high major coaches in the country were, were there for his games. Like, if I had to, just judging off, like, who made him a priority that isn't really on his list or hasn't really been uh, considered a major factor yet, Michigan's going to be involved in this thing. Jawan Howard was there for every minute of every game. And usually with one, two, or three assistants by his side. Like, it is very clear Michigan is going all in on Isaiah Collier. Um, Saw Bruce Pearl there. Uh, You saw staff from Alabama there. I didn't see Nate Oates. That doesn't mean he wasn't there. But I didn't see him personally. And then – I was standing with Mick and Mike Roberts and uh, Mike Lewis, who played for Indiana, was on Mick's staff at UCLA, is now the head coach at Ball State. And we're all just standing there watching the game and joking around. And uh, Leonard Hamilton walked up and was like, "Uh uh-oh. Things got serious. Leonard Hamilton's here. Like, if Leonard Hamilton's hanging around, you get nervous because he's got a track record of uh, getting stuff done to Florida state. So that was one that was like, Oh boy. Uh Oh, uh Oh. (laughs) So you mentioned the passing ability, but he did have some good shooting percentages on his threes in the games that you posted as well. So, I mean, he obviously is as good as he's, he's tabbed. You don't get that high of a rating if you aren't. Uh, And, and I believe the sentiment around, Everyone in the mix seems as if he he could will probably get a bump in the rate rankings or ratings if if it were to come to that or I don't know exactly how that yeah I mean he's down, but he's right in that fifteen to eighteen range mm-hmm. he's going to end up in the top ten yeah like almost for certain he's going to end up in the top ten and uh, potentially top five he's that good so. 
You want to talk about momentum in the West Miller era, go get you a top five point guard. <laughs> and another thing we've mentioned. I think that times. would have I think that would have people feeling pretty good about things, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, I, I hate to mention it because I don't think there's too much of a tie or this was really a goal or even a factor in it all. But you know, you've got Rob Fantasy coming in and Collier does see that okay, well, Rob's here for one year. The door's wide open, you know. So, and I think it it would have been wide open anyway, but just another added factor to it, throwing in the mix as well. So, um, it also we've mentioned it a couple times him and Rayvon. It seemed that they become best friends. Rayvon's got his big decision on Sunday, so if that shakes down in the right way for Cincinnati, it could be massive news Sunday. And then, what do you I'm think, sure. Aaron? Maybe go live Sunday night around eight o'clock. I feel like I can make that work. Wow. Maybe maybe a live nightcap, something along those lines. I like that. Well, it, it, I believe on his on his Instagram, he was inviting all media members and photographers to the uh, to his commitment. I don't know where where it's at, but um, he uh, oh, that's a big one. That's a big one on on Sunday. Um, did where where did he play this weekend, Chad? Uh, he was in Spartanburg, South Carolina. From what okay. I heard, he had a he had a good week, but it wasn't like uh, wasn't quite the level that he had in Indy two weeks ago. Um, but when you're on a team that's that's got the type of talent his team has, you'll see spikes where it's this week is you know this guy kind of dominates, and the next week, from what I heard, like two weeks ago, Reed Shepard, who's committed to Kentucky, I was kind of like, eh. Right, and then I like him. I, yeah. I like him a lot, but he's not really getting shit done this week. Um, apparently, he got shit done uh, in in Spartanburg this weekend, and he was kind of the star for that team. Uh, and then Rayvon and, and Gabe Cups, who's going to Indiana, kind of took a backseat uh, to Reed being the the guy this week. So um, that's that's kind of how that happens a lot, man. Like you know. It, it, these guys all you, you look at these teams that are just crazy loaded. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Hold on. Uh oh. Okay. Uh oh. Okay, never mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's gonna be a good week. That's what I can tell you. That's what I can tell you. Right now, that's what I can tell you. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good week. Well, that oh 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 man, I wish you could have seen your face, but we didn't get to. Well, I didn't get the full. I didn't get the full text. Like I just saw something come across the like the top of your screen. You know how that happens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but then when I got the full thing, like uh, you know, but uh, you guys here are the first to first to hear. It's gonna be a good week. I think we're gonna have a good week. I think we're gonna have fun this week. Here we go. Hey, I, you know what? That's that's why I call this the show before the show because this is just right. this is the build-up show because there's a lot happening at the tail end of the week and if it goes well, we could just and I don't know we'll have an Aaron after dark episode of the BBP in celebration. Um, <laughs> I'm in for it. Uh, Chad, speaking yeah. of uh, momentum and, and riding the hot hand, if you will, one of the other names you mentioned. 
he kind of uh, really, really putting the nation on lock this weekend, and, and you were there in attendance for that. Tell us what you saw out of Tyler McKinley, and uh, he's he's a guy, obviously a, a Cincinnati native, one that has mentioned in in, in some um, interviews that you know the going to Cincinnati would be awesome, getting to wear the city across his chest and different things of that sort. So, uh, you know, it, and Wes and, and staff have been all over him for as long as I can remember since they've been on campus. So uh, kind of tell me what you saw out of his game this past weekend. The big fella's nimble. Like, he he handles the ball. Like, usually somebody that size is the guy setting the ball screen, like in the pick and roll. Right. Uh, McKinley was coming off of ball screens, playing downhill with the ball in his hands at times. Okay. Um, the, the one thing I really loved getting the ball off the rim and being able to go like just bang, bang, get the rebound, instant pressure on the defense. And if you watch some of the highlights from this weekend, it's what I fell in love with on Gary Clark. The first time I saw him that made me recommend him to the UC staff, getting that ball, taking two power dribbles and then via the pass, pushing it up the floor and, and making plays um, in that capacity where, again, you just put so much pressure on the defense when you do that because they're scrambling to get back because you've now got a big man with ball skills and passing skills that can beat you over the top or can take it himself and just put that straight line pressure on you, get to the free throw line and make a pass as the defense attracts to him, or, you know, he had a, a, a hesitation and up and under and went back the other way for a finish, like a pivot, went back opposite and a, a scoop off the backboard. Like there's just so many things that he can do that um, make him really intriguing. There are some, some small concerns. Uh, I think there's a little bit of worry about his length. You're talking He's McKinley? Height. Yeah, McKinley. That's who we've been talking about for five minutes. Well, I was waiting to hear. I missed the name at the beginning, and then you just kept saying he. I had both Paige and McKinley ready. Well, no, Brent asked me about McKinley, so I was referencing he because that's who he asked me about. That's that's the part I missed. Okay. Um, There's a little bit of concern about his length. Like, he's not an overly, you know, wingspan is is not going to be a strength for him. I don't think it's – He's not a T-Rex by any stretch of the imagination. But he doesn't have those, like, seven that seven-foot wingspan that you're looking for in guys uh, necessarily. So opponents with length potentially will be able to give him uh, a little bit of trouble going forward as, as he progresses up levels. Um, but for right now, man, he handles the ball better than I – better than I imagined. Um he sees the floor well. He really works well out of like the mid post. Um, so if you know, he he would be a real weapon, like when teams try to zone you, because he can get the ball at the free throw line and and shoot it from there and score it, or you know find the 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 short corner or kick it opposite. You know as the defense adjusts and moves. Um, he's just a guy offensively that can really help you in a lot of ways. He rebounds it really well. Um, 
he's right around double digit rebounds or over double digit rebounds in both of the games I saw. I think one game he had 12, one game he had nine. And he was the leading 16 and underscorer at the EYBL this weekend. The 20, 24, 25 points a game. So every box, he checks it. And he's number 60 in the composite right now for 2024, number 79 uh, on 24 7. That's going to rise. This is a top 50 kid. This is potentially more than a top 50 kid. And you talk about things lining up exactly right for Wes. If they close on Rayvon, and then you go back to that well again locally with another top 50 kid and Tyler McKinley in the 2024 class. When's the last time the 513 had two top 50 kids in back to back classes? I can't remember when that happened. And ones that not only carried that ranking early, but continued Hell to carry yeah. it, you know, and just continued going up. Yeah, exactly. So, I, so yeah. It, it's brewing. And, and I want to go back to Brian Johnson because I think he's he's talking about me. Um, or, or maybe it was your comment, but about the you make that sound like last week wasn't fun. It, it was. It, it was a blast. I mean, the addition of, of Corey Kiner and, and Rob Fennessy and, then, and, of course, Braden Moore. I mean, those are three. It's just whatever that was. That after yeah. Chad said it was going to be a fun week this week. That was what he was referencing. Okay. And, but this week you add in the NFL draft on top of things, the potential of, of big names dropping here and there. So, man, um, it's, it's crazy. Back to back fun weeks. Why not? Let's have a week, Brian. Let's have, let's have back to back weeks. But, uh, Chad, do you, do you see, uh, I want to wrap up McKinley first, but do you, do you see McKinley as, as a player that fits that kind of positionless basketball mold of, uh, you know, maybe he's not going to play the wing, but he has that ability to kind of frustrate you with his, you know, he he might be able to take you off the dribble if you bring a, a bigger plotting defender out on him or or he can pop one over sh- a shorter defender if they decide to go that way against him, kind of that 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 role in the uh, the way that the, the game is moving. Because, I mean, six foot eight, sure, even if the length isn't absolutely there, I mean, that's that's some – Great height and just height alone give, would give him the ability to to pop some shots over a shorter defender, and then of course you tie that in with his uh, his ability to to also probably take some players off the bounce, like you mentioned. Oh, or did we lose Chad? I think that that sound was a uh, phone call, probably. Thanks. Is that is that what it was? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, he, d- he didn't even say it was going. Uh, uh, well, uh, here we are. Oh, Aaron, <laughs> I know you. I know you don't. You don't love to do too much too much research and until we get to player, um, until someone is committed. Yeah. So, can't really ask you any more questions as far as it goes with, uh, um. Steve and I agree. Probably, probably good news. Hopefully, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think it's good news because I, I, I'm not answering a phone, but I think it's good news. Um, I mean, if it's big enough to just hop out of the podcast, 
Yeah. So um, you, you would think it would probably be a big deal call. Let it be known. Sure. Let it be known. Okay. So, uh, all right. Do we move on to the mailbag or <laughs> what's uh can't even do the timestamp yet though because he has the reads for the timestamps. Okay, well let's <laughs> let's fill it in. What's yes, uh let's <laughs> Brian Johnson with the uh with with the hopeful thoughts again. Brian, you're you're bringing the heat. I like it. It um, did happen having... last night in the nightcap too, where Chad had a phone call and he had to go and he's just like, All right, that's all we got for tonight. See ya. Oh really? <laughs> Yeah. And you're like, oh, all right. I'll see you later. I man. think I think he had it's it's like when you go on that date, right? And you got somebody that you don't want to be on that date anymore, but you have like the emergency call lined up. I think that's what's been happening lately. Where he's like, you know, I don't I don't think I want to do the podcast. I don't want right. to do the nightcap. So I'm getting out early. Right, exactly. I, let, yeah. let me let me leave him hanging. Let me leave Brett <laughs> mid mid long winded question. <laughs> And just leave him hanging after, <laughs> maybe, after he's coming maybe, off a bachelor maybe. party in Scottsdale, making me like sweat even more than I've already been sweating. Come on, maybe that's how you learn to you know just make the, the questions more succinct. I could have asked that when he's two got seconds, the, he still wouldn't have answered. When he's got the black screen, <laughs> he always does the black screen. I don't know if he's away or not. I know, I don't either. But, uh, I don't even know what's happening anymore. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, so, and I don't even know if we'll get an answer on what happened on the phone call over the pod. But uh, either way, we'll we'll see. Uh, Aaron, did you were you able to get any more intel as far as you know on the um, on the nightcaps kind of of the other names? Obviously, he mentioned on the board as well in his notebook. But kind of were you? I'm, I'm back. Dive in? Yeah, I'm back. Yeah. I had, I had to take that one. Can't, can't tell you why, but I had to take that one. <laughs> Sounds good. There's a lot of phone calls that happen this time of year. Like there's a lot of a lot of calls I have to answer. Uh, that that you know we either have to end the nightcap you know a few minutes early, or I have to let Aaron and Brent kind of run the show for a few minutes like things are happening things are happening it's happening it's happening everybody stay calm i said everybody stay fucking calm <laughs> well the hopefully office, the, uh, office, the office gift yeah, right? yeah 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 hopefully you know good news lands here and we're able to continue to talk about that how about that yeah yep there we go <laughs> they, they did great <laughs> thanks steven jeffrey thanks for that cyclones tied three three were, were, you guys, were you guys trying to talk to me <laughs> well no i gave you i gave you a nice thought out question and uh it, it was it was one of his one of his brent 90 second questions and we just question. waited we waited for your response like a nice person would i was muted and my phone Aaron, rang. Aaron you heard my phone ring. Aaron doesn't well, watch commits until they until they commit. So it's like, all right. Well, Aaron. I, I, I thought you'd one. say. I thought you'd say, "Hey guys, I'll be right back." When it went, I thought he was playing like a like a song. It's you know, like, like the Odie, 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 Delicious. I know, That's but I thought tone. I thought you were tying it into the BVP that we're on live right now on. 
but no, no, that's my ringtone. Well, hopefully, you know, everything just just. Uh... <laughs> Kathy, why do you hate me? <laughs> What's your problem with me, Kathy? <laughs> She's been coming to chat on PTP. She's been coming to chat. <sighs> let's let's uh, timestamp a mailbag. I got stuff to do. Yeah. Well, that was the thing too. We couldn't move on to the mailbag because we don't have the timestamp reads. So. Oh yeah, uh, Urban Artifacts celebrates their their seventh anniversary this month. Uh, well, crap. I need new reads uh, because. This one ended yesterday. Uh, Urban Artifact is the largest sour-only brewery in the U.S. They pack over 700,000 pounds of real fruit into their lineup of fruit tarts every year. Swing by Urban Artifact's Northside Taproom, mentioned Bearcat Journal, to get $2 off a flight of four tasters. Or this one could be appropriate, too. Here's an alley-oop. Urban Artifact's fruit tarts score more than the rest. Swing by their Northside Taproom, mentioned Bearcat Journal, get $2 off a flight of four tasters. The basketball hint. Alley oop. Alley oop. Hoops goes. Hoops goes out of bounds. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Sorry, I can't control the calls. The calls control me. That's just how this works. Right. I agree. Um. So, are we are we rolling into the mailbag? Is that seven? Nope. Well, Chad, I wanted to ask you how the, the last name was, but maybe we'll, we'll touch on that later. Did the phone ring again? I don't know. All right. So, not sure if this has been – this is the football portion as we always start. <clears throat> not sure if this has been asked, but which player or players helped themselves the most in the spring? Who That's a tough say? one. Brent. That's a tough one. Go ahead, Brent. I'll let you do this one first. Which player or players help themselves the most in the spring? I think the obvious answer is Evan Prater. Um, I think he kind of showed his ability to take his game to the next level. Uh, I don't think that's even the most obvious answer on offense. Okay. Um, oh, I know. Yours is Blue Smith, I know. No. no. <laughs> I was a joke. But, uh, yeah. That was oh. a good joke. Shimon Mateers. Yes. Yep. Um, mine is just Evan because, uh, you know, it, it kind of was like, oh, wow, Ben Bryant's coming back for his final season. Is uh, uh, Pardon me, for, for another season after, you know, transferring to Eastern. So, you know, kind of is this like something that's been in the mix or something along those lines? Uh, and, oh, wow, what's that one? Pink? Oh, it's just uh, the strawberry lemon seltzer. Okay. But go on. But, yeah, I mean – Evan, I think, has just amped up the competition, which is the main thing we hear Brady mention all the time. The main thing you hear Luke mention all the time is just this competition. And quarterback, Luke's mentioned this as well, is the most important position on the team. And Evan's showing that he's ready to compete and be right there with uh, with, with Ben and go mano y mano and, and duke it out for the best. And, and Aaron, take it away with Shimon. I mean, the kid has done nothing from the very first time we mentioned him this spring was the fact that, oh, we have a tight end running over 20 miles an hour. 
Um, yeah. And I believe he was what over twenty two at that point. Mm-hmm. No, twenty. He got over twenty one. Was it okay? It's still absurd. Um, but we thought maybe it was a fluke, and then he kept showing up on that same report as the reports would come out as far as top speeds would go. Uh, then he just started catching everything and continuing to translate those speeds that they were running onto the field. Mm-hmm. And he, he took advantage of the fact that Wiley's out, so it slots everybody up one, and he has you know, made quite a name for himself where he didn't really have a name for himself prior to this spring. So uh, I, I think that the, that he far and away has had the the most uh the biggest leap i guess of anybody on at least on the offensive side of the ball chad just do offense and then we'll loop back around defense i like this uh i think i'd agree with with evan prater i I think you nailed it brent like we talked about it man this this was a situation that could have got away from him quick this spring if ben bryant comes in and is clearly the better player and in that first week, that's kind of what it looked like was going to happen. Right. And Evan said, "Nah, I'm in this thing. Like I, I'm here to I'm here to to battle and and make this tooth and nail. I'm here to make this a a straight up big time competition to see who's going to be the quarterback for this program of the future. And uh, th- there were a lot of other guys that that did well. Um, th- you know." But I think I just have to look at Evan and say, in terms of the guys that it could have gone help yourself or hurt yourself, right? Like Shaman, Shaman, I agree. Like I wrote about him every, like I I said that like at practice nine, I was like, I think I'm going to write about this guy every practice the entire spring. Um, But Shaman was always going to be the tight end of the future, right? He was always going to be number three this year. Mm -hmm. And then probably number one with a bullet next year. Evan could have lost this thing and it like it, it could have got shuffled back early and things would have been a problem in terms of like what exactly is the future of Evan Prater. And now the future of Evan Prater is we know he's going to fight. Right. We know he's going to put up a hell of a fight and he's not going to back down and he's going to be ready. And I think that was that was critical. Um, you want me to start defense? We'll snake draft it. Sure. Yeah. Gene Thomas. Well, you're gonna take mine. Okay. Uh, okay, I won't take yours. I no, do it. Yours. Do it. Do it. I'll, no, I'll, I'll let you. I'll one. let you have Jeff. I'll let you have Jaheen. Um, I'll go with one I think that's a little off the radar. I think Eric Phillips quietly had a career. Uh, altering spring because Malik Van was out for most of that spring, the most of the spring at that starting defensive end spot. It opened the door for Eric Phillips to get reps with the ones pretty consistently almost throughout the entire spring. And you know what? Eric Phillips looked like he belonged. He looked like he was a guy that's going to, going to be a major factor in this defense over the next two or three years. Um, So I, I think it was a huge opportunity for him because he was presented with the chance to show, can you run with the ones? Right. And some guys can't do that. Some guys, they get presented that opportunity and they're not ready to step up to the challenge. I thought Eric was. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's so crazy that like we've talked, like, there's been talk about like we just got to get some more weight on him. The kid was 315 pounds like right. a year ago at this point in time. He yep. was like 310. And mm-hmm. now he's like 255, 260. And they're talking about, you know, having to bulk him up a little bit. He's skinny. Like you yeah. guys can attest to that. When you see Eric Phillips in comparison to what he looked like, you're like, that human is skinny. There is a flat belly. I don't know if there's a six pack under there, but he's not hanging off the sides. Right. And I know what that looks like. He's not hanging off the sides, <laughs> straight down. Um, so I'll go Eric Phillips. I'll let you have Jaheen. For for me, it was between Arquan and JQ. Um, very good. For very similar reasons. Um, so just kind of covering both. I mean, Arquan has JQ coming up right behind him, and JQ has Arquan in in obviously a room of other cornerbacks ahead of him. But both of those guys have battled to be in the place that they're in right now. And JQ is quietly or maybe not so quietly at this point, nipping at the heels of cracking that of, of the cracking the ones. So I don't know for, for Arquan to step up into the shadow left by the previous cornerback group that was here. Right. Um, that's not an easy place to jump in. And he has done so very, very well at this point and continued to keep that room strong, obviously losing a Kobe, losing a sauce. It's, I mean, it's not going to be the same, right? But it's at least strong. There wasn't a gigantic drop off from what we've seen so far. And, uh, JQ and there's a lot com- of good wide receivers. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. That they're covering. Um, but with JQ nipping into his heels and also making a name for himself just in I mean, the kids, he, he would be going to prom right now. Like, you know, I mean, he he's not supposed to be here right now flirting with the, the twos and the ones. Right. So that's, that's kind of where we are and, and kudos to him. And selfishly, you know, I, I just have my connection with JQ from covering him as he was coming up anyway. So. I think well, JQ is my number two, so um, okay, it would have been would have been funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll keep mine short. Uh, Jaheim Thomas is an NFL player; he will get drafted um, when his time comes. And this spring saw an evolution in him where the staff is now putting not putting pressure on him. Um, I guess I guess you could say putting pressure on him, but kind of just you know boosting him to tell him how, how important he really is to the next step of this defense and using him as an edge rusher. Obviously, losing Maje is, is a monster thing that's hard to to replicate, to duplicate. But, you know, it, now you bring in Jaheim. You tell him, we, we need you for this as well. But Jaheim Thomas, NFL draft coming up this weekend. Uh, give, give it a couple years. Jaheim O'Leary is name called, and the spring was just the start of that. And uh, – He's going to have a massive role on the defense next year and really burst out on the scene. I'm, I'm very confident about that. All right. Since spring ball has concluded, do you think the Black Cats, Bearcats defense will give up more or less than 17 points per game? Last year it was 16.86. In 2020 it was 16.8. In 2019 it was 20.57. I say no. Go ahead. I'll be back in a second. Um, I, I don't think they're gonna. I, I don't think they're gonna give up less than seventeen. I, I think. It'll, right. I think you'll probably see it closer to that twenty twenty one mark, um, 
and that's not to say that even in 2019 that it was a bad defense. It's just you had you lost a lot of major pieces, and there's going to be some growing pains. So let's look at it. At Arkansas, Miami, Ohio, and Indiana. Those are the uh, out two out-of-conference – three out-of-conference games that aren't against <laughs> – You could say two. I mean, they're not bringing out their ones, right? Yeah, right. oh, good point. Good point. Um, <laughs> you travel to Tulsa. They aren't going to be firing up any giant point totals. At SMU, might have some higher scoring to it. UCF, are they Are they going to you know put up some points? I think they're getting a lot of love. And then – now, obviously, you don't play against Houston until you know, unless it would be in the uh, AAC championship game. I, I don't see a ton of scoring. Uh, ECU comes to Cincinnati, which has just been a. When ECU plays here, it's it's been Cincinnati. Is Holden Ehlers gone? Is he is he back? Do I, we know. I'm pretty sure he's back. Okay. Um, but I mean, you look at last year. What were the high scoring games that they allowed? Indiana scored 24, uh, UCF scored 21, but pretty much all like, some garbage points. Navy scored 20, got 20 versus Tulsa. 28 at USF was the biggest one. I I don't know. I Will they be under 17? That's asking a lot. But I think they'll be right there. I think it's a talented defense and you kind of just reload. What? I, it's not that far-fetched to say. You're, no, you're you're just very optimistic. I appreciate. I, it. I, I just pointed out name the offensive juggernauts on the schedule this year. It's not like teams are going to be putting up 28 points consistently against this defense, even with all the players I mean, in the loss. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that even scoring 20 means an offensive juggernaut. I just think right. I think okay. you have a different defense. It'll be over 20. Over 20. I think it'll well right around 20. I mean, right all, around three touchdowns a game is what possibly, I mean. You're you're still look, man. I don't think people understand the cornerbacks. Still, how dominant that just sauce, just sauce. Right, I know. Just the fact that the the boundary side of the field was not an option. Right, teams were scheming, putting their worst receiving option over there, just so that like because they knew. That didn't exist. So what happens when the boundary's open? Now you got a safety that has to shade over there a little bit. Right. Now the rest of the field is a little bit more available. Like it no, is being absolutely... so dumb. so dominant. One Kobe the Thorpe Award. Right. 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 Because that's, teams had to throw at Kobe. That's crazy, right? Right. Right. So it, it's the. It, the way college football works anymore, man, holding teams to 20 points a game is being very, very good on defense. Very good on defense. Okay. Well, 2019, 20.57. That's, you know, that's where, where I said most, it would be in line with. So, right around 20. I, that's I said exactly it, what I, I said too. I right said around 20, be, 21. I said it would be over 17. I said it's not going to be 17, but I don't yeah. think it's going to be that far off. I, I mean, I, I guess we're all kind of just saying the right, the, the same thing. Yeah. Moving on. It'll from, be higher, but not not crazy 28 or something like that. From a pra- no. Uh, from a practice and conditioning standpoint, what have been the most noticeable changes in the offensive line under Coach Cummings? I mean, I don't know how we would – how would I judge conditioning, the conditioning standpoint, standing 60 feet away on the sideline 
I, I don't know how I would judge that part. Um, practice, I, I, I think it's interesting because there was a lot of juggling. There was a lot of, let's see what this guy can do here. Let's see what that guy can do here. We'll get this guy some reps with, you know, at this spot, and that guy some reps at that spot. I think Cummings really wants to give Mets another look at tackle because he looks like a tackle that, that Cummings likes to coach. Um, we'll see if we get to higher ground and you see maybe Mets at right tackle and O'Quinn back inside, something along those lines. Um, I think it's it, the, the Gavin Gerhardt question came up last week um, about what, you know, what's the future of Renfro with the hip issue. And uh, from what I like, everybody told me Gavin Gerhardt uh, really impressed the staff this spring with how much he improved at center because last year it was a problem. Like if, if he would have had to play significant snaps at center in place of Renfro, the snaps were, were not where they need to be. Right. Like just wasn't there yet. It was a position he had never played. Think about doing something you've never done before and then having to do it at the highest level of college football. Um, and then having that thing be center, which is maybe the second most demanding position on offense, right? Like you got to get the calls right. You got to get the line checks right. Like, and all the while you're worried about snapping a ball between your legs, you know, accurately seven, eight yards every time. Not easy. But the good news is now Gavin's kind of found himself a rhythm so that being the backup center is something that's kind of natural to him. So you can, he's a guard. Remember, he came in as a guard. Now maybe you can move Gavin back to guard and say, if we need you at center, you're our backup center, but we don't necessarily have to like use you constantly only as the second team center. You know, that's the kind of line versatility that happens all over the place where, you know, now he's got that in his back pocket. Um, so I think they were really happy with Ger- with with Gerhardt. I thought um, James Tunstall had a, a really, really good spring at left tackle. Um, so I, I think you're confident there. Um, you know, you get Rimfro back at center. You're very confident there. Uh, and then you've got a lot of options between right tackle and the other two guard spots. If you want to mix things up or you can just run it back. Dylan O'Quinn at right guard and uh, Mets at or Dylan O'Quinn at right tackle. Mets at right guard. Renfro. Uh, Coop at, at left guard. And then and then Tunstall at, at left tackle. So for the first time since Fickle got here. It feels like there's some depth being, you know, legitimately built on the offensive line where there's some versatility uh, and some ability to move things around. All right. Um, I don't know if you had any more to add to nah, anything with the offensive line. I only went to the spring game. Right. So I didn't really get to see too much. All right. Uh, now that Kiner is here and the roster is looking closer to final, what is your outlook on the season? Are we in the driver's seat for the G5 berth? Do you think I'm like fully aware of like what the Sun Belt has to offer right now? <laughs> well, With the type I, of offseason that we've had, Brian, like I got, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll dial it back a notch. I mean, I don't even know that we're in the driver's seat right now for the conference. 
I would have Houston ahead of Cincinnati right now. Right now. I, I, I think that there's too many unknowns right now. Like, we don't – first off, we don't know which quarterback is going to be game one starter. Right. So, the team that has the returning quarterback, right? Like, <laughs> right. Clayton Toon is the returning quarterback at Houston. We know and Clayton, Clayton Toon's been a dude. Like – Right. So, I, I'm going to lean towards the team that has a sound defense. We know Houston has a good defense, right? We know they've got a quarterback. We know they've got, you know, uh, the, the the running back and wide receiver situations are a little less uh, imposing than they were last year, but they're still going to have a solid offense. They're still going to have a solid defense. Like, I think right now, you know, you'd have to, on paper, give at least a slight edge to Houston, and then Cincinnati's got to go to the bounce house and beat UCF. Now, so, no one's getting fooled. No one's getting fooled by Tulane this year trying to say, like, Tulane's going to be third or fourth best oh, yes, they team are. in the conference. People right? will say it. Watch. Are they? Well, I, my, my, my fear is no one's no one's saying that yet about Tulane. So I, my fear is that no one says it at all, all about Tulane, and this is going to be the year where they just leap Well, everybody. they still have the quarterback, right? Like, this will be year three of their quarterback. Yeah, it is going to be very promising. So, I mean, no, I think people will still say it. Hold on, I gotta shut these dogs up. You guys go ahead for a <laughs> Brent, what what are your thoughts though, as far as the the way too early outlook on the season? Uh, kings are the kings until they get dethroned. So, uh, I mean, I we we've said it a lot. Yeah, I know it's it's the optimist in me, but we we've, we've said it a lot. <laughs> they're they're losing nine players to the NFL, and then a couple other really good seniors that had a lasting effect mm-hmm. on the program. But I mean, you're you're replenishing that with some of the highest ranked recruits in program history. Um, yeah, sure. There's there's a lot that needs to be figured out. I mean, the, the loss of Sauce is monstrous. The loss of Desmond Ritter is monstrous. And in order to get the G5 berth or in order to win the AAC, you got to be able to pull out those tough games. You know, the pull out the game at at USF in 2000. 20 where you know surprisingly they're they're giving you a game until the very end and Desmond Ritter hobbled with one arm is able to drive you down the field and set up a last second field goal for the win you you need that type of play but you know you're you're replenishing the team with some of the best recruits in program history go out and you know the addition to Kiner is is big as well adds a huge piece to the offense so uh, Kings King and until they're dethroned so we'll see um, the, the thing, like, look though, you you can't you can't champion how incredible it is for the program to have nine guys drafted and also have the stance that that's nah, not a big deal. Oh no, I, I don't. No, I'm, just, I'm not saying you yeah. particularly. I'm just saying in general, like, right? They're, they're going to come back to the pack some, some. They're not, not to any preseason people. top twenty-five. They're not in. You know what that does for me as well, though? Right. And have a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. That's that's kind of the thing. You you get four stars, talent, chips on their shoulder. Man, it's it's the same as it was a few years ago when they were all trying to prove themselves. So, we'll see. All right. Is there any interest? You see interest in Noah Potter. I believe we recruited him in high school. Uh, 
I don't think it is at a serious level yet. Uh, I, I certainly think Cincinnati would, uh, just because of, you know, his size and ability, I think it's something they'd kick the tires on. Um, but I don't know that it's something that immediately it's like, uh, keep your eye on Noah Potter. You know what I mean? Okay. Tracking. Tracking. Similar. Any UC interest with Andre Turrentine? Not sure if we recruited him in high school, but Combs has to have a good relationship with him, right? Uh, safety, not a corner. I don't think safety is a position that they're really um, like feverishly looking for answers. I think they're pretty happy with what they've got between Hicks and the group of young guys, Dingle and Threats and um, Isaiah Cox yeah. and Armorian Smith. Uh, and then you got a couple guys coming in as well. Uh, I think they're okay at safety, so I don't think it is something with the 85 number being tight because here's what's happening. Let's, let's have a talk about culture and what's happening at UC. <laughs> guys don't want to leave. I'm not leaving. Right. So you like, you know, you like the, the conversation happens of like, you know, it's your three, you haven't cracked the two deep yet. Like, you know, if you're, if you're looking for a significant role, you know, maybe it might be time to, to see if somewhere else would be a better fit. And the answer is I'm good. I like it here. I'm having a good time. Like I've got my brothers, I've, I've created my family uh, mm -hmm. of brothers going forward. And this is a situation I'm doing good in school. I, I like my life. Like, yeah, I'd probably like a little bit more playing time, but maybe I'm not in a hurry to uh, jump in the transfer portal because you know, we're finding out that there was a, the NCAA released some numbers today. You know, we're starting to find out is exactly what we thought. 40%. 40% aren't finding a scholarship. 40% of the kids in the transfer portal don't find a, a new home. I was going to give that to you as what I wanted to talk about on the nightcap tonight. We can talk about it on the nightcap for sure. So, yeah, so what 40% the 40 of people do? You huh? go. You walk on somewhere walk or your, on? your football career is over. Sheesh. That's yeah. Terrible. 40% of the people entering the portal are not finding a home. Right. So, well, and I think kids are getting hit to that. Like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to stay well, here. I think I'm going to get my degree. Some I of like those it. numbers, some of those numbers will adjust as COVID years become less prominent. Sure. But, you know, still, it's going to be a large number. And, you know, another thing along with your culture uh, statement, Chad, is all these players, are they, they buy into what Luke Fickle and the, and the staff says to them. And one of those things is you can do everything that you can do at all the big-name schools around the country. You can do it at Cincinnati. So, I mean, that's just a why, like, do you think the grass will be greener on the other side? We mentioned that with numerous other guys. And the, trust in yourself. Trust in your development. Look at these players that developed into this. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Where, why, why, why would I want to leave, Coach? I'm happy. I've got my brothers. You know, I've had a great time here at Cincinnati. 
I'm doing good in school. I'm going to get my degree. You know, everything's working out just great. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to roll the dice that I'm going to right. be one of those 40% that doesn't find another home. Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. You sure? I'm not leaving. <laughs> I said I'm not leaving. Right? Uh, will Corey Kiner make the team? And if he does, how will the switch to defensive tackle affect the two deep? I'll hang up and listen. These are your readers. Will Ethan Wright switch to safety? Maybe. I don't know. Luke's <laughs> joked about it for three years now. Like, <laughs> there will never be a surprise if we show up one day and, and Ethan Wright's at safety. But he wants to play running back. That's He's been steadfast in that desire. Uh, part of making the switch is player buy-in. Like, if the player doesn't buy in, it's very hard to make that switch, right? Like, you need to have them on the same page if it's going to happen. Connor Barwin doesn't go from tight end to defensive end unless he wasn't, you know, all in on on the why. Alec Pierce, perfect example. Alec, we want you to play linebacker. Okay, but I don't want to play linebacker. And they had him at linebacker for like three or four days and realized his heart wasn't in it. I think it was a pretty good decision for him to stick at wide receiver, right? So, mm-hmm. seemed like it worked out pretty well for for Alec there. You got it for all parties. Yeah, Huber. Now he's the starting middle linebacker. You know, potential NFL. Yeah. All right. Uh, if the quarterback competition is close, why not go with the guy with the most upside and highest ceiling in Prater Ritter? grew every year and still won a ton of games as he was developing. Look, that's not how college coaches think. That's not how coaches think. The way coaches think is who's going to give me the best chance to win at Arkansas? And who's going to give me the best chance to beat Indiana at Nippert Stadium? Like, that's that's how college coaches think. It's It's not a uh, zero sum, like uh, we're going to be better two years from now if I start Evan Prater now. Um, they started Dez four years ago because they felt he was the better option than Hayden Moore. It wasn't, we're going to, we're going to play Alabama in the college football playoff in 2021. If we get Dez in there now, it was Dez gives us well, a better Dez chance also, to win. Now. He also didn't start that first game, correct? Right. Yes. There was an eye on. <laughs> obviously, obviously there was a short leash, but. Right. And he took it and ran with it. So, um, yeah, I, you you start the guy you think gives you the best chance to win the game in front of you. So, you know, Ritter grew every year, but this program's in a different spot now, right? Like, you're not, you're not at a point where if that 2018 team went nine and whatever, nine and four after the bowl game, like that would have been still considered a successful year. Mm-hmm. Just so happened that they won a lot of those close games and Mike Warren carried the load and Des was able to, to manage the game. Um, I, I just, that's just not how, that's not how the thinking goes. The thinking goes, we have Arkansas, and we got to beat Arkansas, and who gives us the best chance to do it? All right. 
If Rabel doesn't draft a Bearcat, how long does it take before Luke speaks to him again? I don't think it'll be – I don't think that'll be a problem. I think this was one of my favorite questions, actually. I mean, those two have been best friends for a long time. But I, you know, I think there is like a – better take one of my guys. I, I would I would not be shocked in terms of knowing a little bit about Brable. That's a Brian Cook guy, right? Like I could see Brable falling in love yeah, with Brian yeah. Cook or, or Curtis, like Brooks, Curtis yeah. Brooks. Yeah, more so. Good pointer. Cook. More so, yeah. Cook. Right, but like if it's like later in the draft and yeah, like, sure. Luke's Luke's like, are you kidding me? You haven't taken Brooks yet. <laughs> All right, uh, would. The, the bigger question is, will they be texting back and forth, like, during the draft? Maybe. Like, in that first round where Luke's sitting in Vegas, like, chiding him, like, you know, Des is there. What are you doing? Come get your, <laughs> come get your quarterback. I don't know how much – I mean, he's getting me in the war room. I don't know how much he's texting Luke Fickle at that point. I don't know. He had a guy pretending like he was taking a dump in the back of the screen. You win. COVID year. I mean, COVID was crazy. All right. You win. <laughs> Is there a guy taking a dump at Rabel's <laughs> draft room? That was a that was a wild draft. <laughs> that was a wild, wild draft. Between that and the whole Gruden thing, like I was just like, what? Um, <laughs> uh, Belichick with the dog at the desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you had exactly. Zach, Zach Taylor in <laughs> like just in a in a in an empty room in a like some office building on Ready Road. They, they, they just rented out like one room uh, in, a, in an office building on Reading Road and put Zach a desk in there. Like, here's war. Room. Here's the war room. Cliff Cliff Kingsbury and like a his bachelor pad of yeah. all bachelor just pad. on his couch, kicked back. Like I got this. <laughs> Unreal. All right, moving on to the basketball portion of the mailbag. Uh, would landing Nolly possibly result in less of players alternating between the three and four? I think only Hensley and Reed have been discussed in that light. Who's alternated a lot between the three and four? Davenport didn't do it much. Like he played almost exclusively at the four. Hensley played down the stretch a little bit more at the four, right? But was almost exclusively at the three for most of the season. Uh, Odie certainly didn't play the three. Vic certainly didn't play the three. Those are the other guys that played the four. Um, Newman played the three pretty much exclusively. exclusively. He didn't. I don't. I don't remember him playing a second at the four. Right. Um, Um, I guess Reed. Reed would be the only one that you said was like a combo forward type thing. Yeah, but, but I think like you want to start you 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 and and Reed could be different because of how highly like intelligent he is and how uh, how high his basketball IQ is. You could probably teach him two spots, right? But generally with freshmen, you just want to teach them. This is what you're going to do, right? Right? Like this is your spot. Um, so I, 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 I don't know that we saw much of it last year. I don't know that we'll see much of it next year, this year, however you want to phrase it. Uh, with an upgraded roster, including freshmen in the mix, do you expect Miller to stick to his rotation and scripted subs throughout the season or mix and match more? Thank you. I think he's a guy that likes the scripted stuff 
I think we saw that last year. He's that's an NBA thing. Uh, you're either a guy that like that's your thing, or you're a feel guy, and you sub with feel. West seems very much more comfortable with guys knowing, for the most part, there's going to be some deviation in it, but for the most part, you're gonna. This is where you're coming in. This is where you're coming out. Roughly, these are our rotations now. With so many new guys, you would think that, you know, and uh, with a better understanding of the guys that are returning and with the, the learning curve of the new guys coming in, there maybe will be a little bit more flexibility to that, especially early in the season. But I think once you get into conference play and, and you get moving, I think he's a guy that that likes to to do more of the NBA stuff where it's, you know, this is this is – our script and we're sticking to it. I, I think here's the, the, the more fair question that nobody really gets. Like the, if you're going to make an argument about this and compare like the NBA, you get eight more minutes a game. So there's more space to do this type of thing and still have everybody get, you know, in basketball, you're trying to work it around TV timeouts, right? Like you're coming in at the 16 and you're going to play until after, like just after the under 12 or, you know, you're coming in with about 10 minutes left and you're going to, you're going to get this guy a breather until five along those lines. We're in the NBA. A lot of it, if you look at it, it's like, um, okay, you're going to play the first nine minutes of the first quarter and then we're going to sit you out the last three minutes of the second quarter, the last three minutes of the first quarter, and the first three minutes of the second quarter. And it's like, it's a little more structured because you have a bigger window to perform that action. Where in basketball, it's very tight with 40 minutes. Like, trying to shuffle a guy in for a scripted four minutes here, and a guy for, you know, overlapping that with a, a scripted four minutes there. Also... In the NBA, your second team is generally better. That's where this will be interesting for next year, right? Because Cincinnati should have, if they can get Landers Nolly done, should have a much more stable second unit where it can be, okay, our second unit between the 16-minute and the 10-minute, we want to get our second unit mixed in all throughout there. And then we get our starters back at the under eight, and run our starters till the end of the half. Like there's a lot of variables to it, but I think he's a, he's a script guy. That's what we learned this year. Maybe that changes, but people usually tell us who they are by their actions. Right. And my, my, my belief is his actions showed us uh, the way that it goes. Kathy, if you don't like me, stop listening to the fucking podcast. Jesus. <laughs> Will Vic have access to an extra COVID year if he wants to stay when the time comes? Do not know of him believe, redshirting. I believe so. Yeah, he that one a little bit. I believe so. Like, I think it's two separate. It's the same, but it's two separate. If that makes sense. They both happened at the same time. But I think they're counted as two separate things. He redshirted during his COVID year. 
but I believe you have the ability to use the red shirt and the COVID as two separate entities. They're not one thing. Does that make sense? Well, he can also say that it was because of injury. And then that would, in essence, then be like a like pre-injury year as well. Which, I I mean, if, if, if Mamadou DR and some of these other guys are playing year six and, you know, getting – to walk in two separate yeah but they, the, the, those things didn't happen for mamadou he didn't have a red right. shirt year and his covid year happen at the same time that's what yeah, that's what the question saying. is yeah huh i'll I say yeah i don't think they're two things that cancel each other out i think they are uh independent of one another all right since the 90s which bearcats have who's had a successful career in the nba Thank you. I was trying to figure out how that was worded. Uh, Kenyon. Kenyon. Nick uh, Van Axel. Van Axel. Corey Danny, Blunt. Danny Fort. No, Corey played 12, 13 years in the NBA. I don't – yeah, I guess – Lance. Like, uh, Lance. Max. Max had a successful NBA career. What, eight eight seasons, nine seasons? Um, Gary is I'd in the middle sure of it. Gary is in the middle of carving out a successful NBA career. SK got a nice contract from the Bulls. Yeah, but it didn't like that. Didn't the Bulls like you know what that was, right? There's a that was yeah that there's was a that salary was the floor. floor that was the that floor. they they had to floor. spend that yeah. money, and SK just happened to be the guy that they were like, "Here's the money we have to spend, sir." Thank you, Ruben. Yeah. But who had the uh, best, Kenyon? Probably, yeah. Yeah. He played on some really good Nets teams and then some really good Denver teams. Like, And he was a, a major part of that. Did Corey get a ring with L.A.? Did Nick get a ring with L.A.? I don't think Nick did. Did Tony Bobbitt get a ring with LA? James White got a ring. Yeah. With the San Antonio yeah. Spurs. San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. Correct. I was just curious if anybody actually got the, the chip. I'll let you look that up. I'm going to move on to the next question. What former Bearcat from an 0506, or I'm sorry, yeah, from an 0506 to 1314 would you select to add to the team today? I think you always take SK, right? Like second leading scorer in school history. He was a guy that that just impacted so many different avenues with his ability to play offense. Corey got a ring. Nick didn't. Nick was the one I was worried. Like I didn't, I, I don't yeah. think Nick got one. Uh, I, I would just, I, but it, it, right behind SK would probably be Jaron, because Jaron just had such a great feel for the great the game and and ability to score and pass and do so many different things that you know, and then Gary would would be third for me. I'd even throw in Jake in there too. I'd take SK over Jake. Yeah, I mean, I was just just throwing in a, a name. 
Yeah. Jaron would be my first pick, I think. Uh, he was so good. I, you're going to take Jaron over SK for real? For real? No. I, I. You guys say I'm Mr. Positive. I'm trying to go against the grain right now. I know. I'm just saying, like, really, like, it, it, Jaron over SK? Yeah. There's an argument to be made, but uh, SK SK obviously would be would be the pick. <laughs> but but I mean, I, if Jaron didn't get broken his senior year, I we'll see. Fair. All right. Uh, should we land Nolly? What grade do you give the staff in the transfer portal? I'd give them an A minus. I go A. I think that's actually. I was gonna say I, I think A minus is probably the starting point. Yeah, yeah, you're not gonna even the, a solid A. Even the biggest optimist would would still say probably A as well. Well, I mean when you're when you're when you're keeping in mind like the the NIL stuff that's like the limitations that are, are put on you in that regard, the fact that you're still playing in the American uh for one more year. Like, trust me, when we get to the transfer portal next year. Things are going to look a lot different for, for Cincinnati because the Big 12 is attached to their name. Right. Everything. So matters. given the resources, given the realistic situation that Cincinnati was in, given that, like, ultimately, they had a 10-man roster when you hit when you hit the transfer portal. Like, you still had, when you count the freshmen coming in, almost a full roster before you add any of these three guys, like I, I would go a solid A, like a, a you know a ninety, what ninety to hundred is an A now. Is that is that how the the grading scale works anymore? Yeah, and well, I, I and essentially like a, a, like a ninety two, like ninety three. That's an A, even without the Big Twelve, because the only one of these three guys, if they're, if Landers Nolly ends up being the third. The only one of these three guys who has any eligibility past this next season is, is, Nolly. is Nolly. And you landed, what, three, potentially three starters? Potentially, yeah. So, uh, well done. Uh, if we – and then you, the, the picture in uh, on Bearcat Journal just adds yeah. to this. Uh, if we reel in Landers Nolly, would his nickname be Ned? No. That's – No. Ned Landers, get out of here. We're not calling him Ned Landers. No. Get out. Aaron, that's how you get out. <laughs> get out. That's how you run him right out of here, actually, if you call him Ned. Yeah, we should probably take down that question. <laughs> Act like it never happened. Yeah. Um, when you have a 2024 prospect like we do from one of the hills, how does the staff walk a fine line between staying on top of a recruit versus smothering him? And do these types of situations usually get assigned to one primary recruiter? So the NCAA doesn't really allow you to smother, right? Um, you're only allowed so many like in-home visits, evaluations, contacts, like they keep you from, uh, that. hurting yourself in that regard in some ways. Um, Cincinnati's staff philosophy is kind of, uh, you have a primary, but everybody's involved. The, because the way recruiting is now, 
you generally have the parents and then you have like their trainer and then you have like a, a brother that's involved or the AAU coach or the high school coach. Like, so the key is identifying who matters, right? And then assigning one person on the staff to each person that like everybody's got somebody that matters in this recruitment. Why? Because that's how you make everybody feel important, right? So if you've got a lead recruiter and he's got the kid and maybe mom, and then the head coach deals with the kid and mom, uh, and then maybe the second assistant deals with his workout guy or the guy that trains him. And the third assistant deals with, you know, his brother that lives, you know, across the country. And now everybody feels important, right? Now the trainer feels like, oh, Cincinnati's, Cincinnati cares. They got somebody reaching out to me, letting me know what's up and keeping me in the loop. And the brother feels like, oh, they got my back, even though I'm living out of state and not, you know, there when the staff comes around, they're still keeping in touch. And like, so there's a lot of like, it's what you would expect in the information age, right? Everybody that's directly attached to a kid wants to be part of the flow of information. And in order to do that, you have to kind of like assign how things play out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, there was a question that came in here uh, in the chat that I think we should probably address. Uh, Finnessy's commitment is a weird one, especially given the crowded backcourt. David, the best scorer of the three. Him, Rob. Not a weird one at all. Just because it's weird to you doesn't make it weird. Him, Rob, and Adams Woods, but Rob is by far the most steady piece. Who loses minutes? I don't Micah? think. Well, I, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know that they plan on running DDJ at the, at the one. They're not. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, five minutes, spot minute here, spot minute there. He's not comfortable, and we saw that two years ago, with just the strict, like, what comes with being the regular every play point guard. He wants some freedom. He wants to be able to to create and come off screens and – you know, do some stuff that we saw last year that makes him really good. Is there a lot of time he's going to have the ball in his hands and, and do his thing where he's, you know, moving and shaking and crossing people up and making plays? Yes. But he's much more comfortable if he is able to be, like, free of mind. My job's to score. I'll pass. And I'll be a good teammate, and I'll do all those things, but he needs to know in his mind what his specific role is, and that's put the ball in the basket. When you're, when you're the point guard, that's not how you see it, right? You, you see it as you have to get people involved, and you got to initiate the offense, and you got to get everybody in the right spots, and you got to know like, where everybody's supposed to be at every second of every play. And that clogs your mind. And some people are comfortable with it. Some people are not. What we learned two years ago is that Dave wasn't overly comfortable with it. Can he do it some? Sure. But it's not something as he plays the game that makes him comfortable and 
able to just go out and do his thing, right? That everybody talks about, you don't want to think, you want to do, you want to act and react and play. And if you're thinking, that takes that away from you. And I think when Dave feels the burden of, I'm the point guard, I think it takes away from the other things that he's actually good at. Well, he did follow up and said, only weird to me because I'm a diehard Butler fan along with UC. Fit was better at Butler, but Rob is so solid. Played him in high school for four years. If he can stay on the court, it's huge. So. Okay. All right. Um, All right. Then uh, does each coaching staff have a draft board or their own rating system when it comes to recruiting? I don't know that it's a rating system. I think they have like a tier of like, these guys are in this tier. These guys are in the tier below that. And then you're going to have opinions on where the tiers are. Um, That is something like, you know, on a Monday after an AAU weekend, you're going to have a long meeting with everybody talking about what they saw from guys on the board, depending on what event they were at. Right. So today you're going to have like, there's going to be probably a lot of talk about Dalen Swain in the meeting today from what Wes and Morgan saw from him two weeks ago in Orlando at the EYBL. And from what Roberts and Dollar saw from him at EYBL and Indy this week. And then they're going to go over like, yes, he's a great ball handler. Yes, he's got great length. Um, We worry a little bit that when he's engaged, his effort is is great, but he disconnects a lot. And what is he as a three-point shooter? Because he's one of those guys that doesn't shoot threes. And in today's college game, if you're going to be a wing – you're going to be a guy with the ball in the hand in your hands a lot. How valuable are you if you're not like if you just don't shoot threes? Where the defense knows I don't have to guard him out there. Like I don't have to fight over a ball screen to keep him from just picking up picking up his dribble and stepping into a three. I can go under every ball screen on this guy. And now all of a sudden you're dribbling and your ability to handle the ball is neutralized because you're not a guy that'll take threes. And that's like you can't leave that in a coach's mind. I'm sure why he's not shooting threes because he's not a good three-point shooter, right? But at, at times it's even worse to just not shoot them because then they're just like, well, we don't know. And if we don't know, like, it's probably not a, a good investment to to stick our neck out for, is this kid going to develop as a three-point shooter? If you shoot and miss, but you got a nice stroke, coaches will look at it and say, we can work with that. If you shoot and miss and your stroke is broken, then you're probably going to drop down a couple levels, (laughs) if we're being honest. Uh, Chad, have you disagreed with the coaching staff or recruiting service evaluation of a player and proven to be correct or way off? Both. Lots. Plenty. All the time. I thought Gary Clark was the top 50 player. Nobody nobody at 24-7 would listen to me. Turns out I I was right on that one or at least the top 75 and not a guy that was down in like the hundreds, right? Like um, there's, uh, there's been plenty I've gotten wrong. Uh, Most of those kids didn't land at UC for, for one reason or another, but yeah, you get them wrong all the time, just as much as you get them right. I feel like that's probably anybody though. 
Um, how do you balance the transfer portal with quick fixes in April while balancing the long-term player development of your younger players? I think a lot of that, and, and man, it's going to get real interesting as, as we go over these next couple years, right? Because there's a lot of coaches that are just focusing on the portal. Like we're just going to make our hay in the portal. We'll get one or two, like here's, there was an interesting conversation about this today. I don't remember where I saw it. Um, I was on Twitter, which it usually is. But like players nine, players 11, 12, 13 on your roster, right? In a lot of ways, that used to be freshmen most of the time. And it's still going to be freshmen most of the time. But what's happening now? is those guys, 11, 12, 13, are spending one year not playing and leaving. So if you're going to recruit freshmen, you're going to have to be pretty sure that they're going to be in your top eight or nine guys, right? Where they're getting 10, 12, 14 minutes, a chance to, like, have some something to believe in, I guess, if you will. Some hope. Um, and if you're not sure, it's hard to take freshmen right now because the, the, the reality is they're going to sit, they're going to get pissed, the people around them are going to be pissed, and then when everybody's pissed, they enter the transfer portal. <laughs> Are you privy to the plan in off season for Vic? What are they working on with him? Endurance, fitness, low post moves. Uh, I'm going to try to get Mike on here at some point. So we can kind of go over that Ray felt. Um, so we can kind of go over that with, with each guy, like what the plan is. Um, yes, they are going to work on his endurance, fitness, and low, low post moves this off season. <laughs> he has some quick uh, feet in that one video. Uh, do you think that uh, what you were talking about just on the last question, um, do you think that leads to a trend of staffs only wanting 10 to 11 scholarship players? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, they, that, that's how it, that's how it's been for a long time to begin with. So I don't know that that's anything new. It's just going to be exacerbated. You like that, Aaron? Big word for you. By the fact that with the, with the portal, it, you can just leave. Because what used to keep those guys around? I just sat for a year, and if I leave, now I'm going to have to go somewhere else and sit for another year before I get on the floor because you have to sit a year if you transfer. So then those guys would stick yeah. around and try to get on the floor in year two. Now, I didn't play in year one. Screw these guys. I'm going somewhere to play in year two. All right. Um, last question on the basketball portion of the mailbag. Assuming Chad uses his YouTube money to finance a remake. Oh, yeah. No, this first question of the banks. Sorry. Um, yeah. Assuming Chad uses his YouTube money to finance a remake of the classic Breaking Bad. Who plays which characters and why is Nico playing Skyler? <laughs> I've never seen Breaking Bad. I think we knew that. You don't watch TV. It's not going to be popular. I don't watch TV. I've never seen Breaking Bad. I think it's pretty funny. Um, having Nico as Skyler. <laughs> well, you're Walter. I don't know what it means. Chad, you're Walter. Okay. <laughs> that that means that Aaron is uh, 
Jesse Pinkman. Jesse Pinkman. Um, yes, Nick O can be Skyler. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Um, am I Saul or am I? Uh, I'll, I'll I'll be Saul. Saul. That's or- fair. I think I think Dave would be the uh, what's the, what's the bald guy? Who the the brother or the uh, or or like the hitman type guy? The henchman. Yeah. The he- uh, yeah. Mike. That one. Mike. Yeah. That would be Dave. Yeah, I think we I think we wrapped it up pretty good there. Yeah, All right. I don't well, I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. Well, well, who's, who's Gus Fring? Oh, he's the scary boss. We don't have any of those. I don't we'll think keep we have it a scary P- boss. We'll keep it PG for now. Um, what song would you pick for your walk up music, baseball or wrestling, depending on how you want to think about it? And why would Brent come into Barbie Girl by Aqua? Mine's Barbie Girl only if I've got like a, a few females walking with me as well. So, well mine's, my, I've got a walk-up song. I've got an intro song, International don't, Players Anthem. It's it's what I play at the top of every hour when I'm on radio. I was gonna say, don't play it here. We're gonna get hit. Yeah, no, no, we're good. We're good. Um, I'd go with "Damn It Feels Good to Be a Gangsta." Oh wow! Uh, best known. So you from- know. You know, that was my uh, other song back in a previous life with Skinny. That was our song, was Damn It Feels Good to Be a Gangster. Even though I was born in Jamaica, and now I'm in the U.S. making deals. <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah. How much cold medicine can Aaron buy before he's flagged as a mess maker and ends up in prison asking for a friend? Well, considering uh, my baby mama is a pharmacist, I think I'll be okay. Oh, so she's in in on it too. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mostly a ride it out guy, man. Like this is gonna pass. Let's ride it out. I might take a Mucinex, like or a, a you know something like a Claritin D if it's my sinuses. But for the most part, I'm a I'm a I'm gonna sleep for two or three days and just make this thing go away. I traditionally don't like to take medicine at all, so this is... That's my point. I, I'm not a medicine guy. I'm so, not a... so out of sorts for me. Yep. Um, do you think UC will ever be considered a blue blood in sports, and what will it take for them to be considered a blue blood in sports? No. Championships? The blue well, blood that... thing is... is it, Like, in basketball, I guess it could happen, like, if you came back and you won, like... Three championships in a decade. You can look do at what Cincinnati. Villanova did. Have Wes Miller be the next Jay Wright, and then you become that blue blood again. But I didn't think Villanova was a blue blood. I'd say I think they were a majority new of the blood. country was. What, huh? what thing? I say a majority of the country thought they were. They had before this <laughs> run. They had one Final Four in the eighties, and that was it. Oh no, I know. That's not I'm a blue like, blood to me. No, I know, but I'm old just saying, money versus if, new money. If right? you listen to, all, right? I, I listen, that's why I called I'm, it a new blood. Like, I listened to so many, yeah. so many podcasts throughout the NCAA tournament. A lot of them were, were arguing this, and I think the majority would say that yeah, they kind of aren't. If you go back very far, but how far are you going back? Like, what was Duke before Coach K? You know, what was Duke was very good before Coach K. I, I mean, they brought it up. They said that Coach K kind of just made them. False. False. Go look at Coach K before Duke. Or Duke before Coach K. That's all. I will. I mean, they I'm had, saying... They had 
were fours and elite eights before Coach K got there. Is what I'm saying. Like they were, they were established before Coach so, K was. How does Cincinnati though? I, I mean, I no, I agree. But like, what you're, what they were explaining is Connecticut, who was nothing before Calhoun got there, right? Or yeah. like an Arizona that was nothing before Lou Olson got there. There was a point in the in the early 2000s where Connecticut was the new blood, right? And then Calhoun left. Duke and they Duke taken had, a hit. Duke had four Final Fours before K. Yeah, that's significant. Cincinnati probably had the same amount. Okay, Cincinnati now only has six or eight. So what? Five, six in the history of the program. Right. So. Just go on a go on a magical run under a under a coach. Just, just go on a forty year it. magical run under a coach, and that's what well, it takes. Jay Wright, only twenty one years. There you go. It just yeah, and you know. I don't consider Villanova a blue blood. I, I just don't. I consider them. I consider them the best program in the country over the past eight nine years. But that doesn't make you a blue blood. A blue blood is Kentucky that goes from Rupp to Joby Hall. To Tubby Smith winning it through Patino and Tubby Smith winning a title and Cal winning a title. Like, yes, that's a Kentucky blue blood. For sure. Yeah, there's no doubt. Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, UCLA. Those are the five blue bloods. I only have five in the whole sport. All right. We are moving on, trying to wrap right. this up. Right. Best cereal and why is Cinnamon Toast Crunch at the top of everyone's list? It's not because the top Cinnamon of my Toast list. is top the best three. Crunch. Best cereal. It's the best cereal. It's not top three. It's Fruity Pebbles. Best. It's top three, and it's not two or three. Fruity Pebbles. Fruity Pebbles is top three, and but it's not one. It's my one. <laughs> I know. What's your What's your number one? Who, Aaron? Yours is Fruity Pebbles. Fruity Pebbles. Yeah, he already said. What's your number one? The guy not that big, hasn't answered yet. Not a big cereal guy. Um, I mean, I'll go Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I, I like drinking it afterwards. That's the thing with Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yes. Cinnamon Toast Crunch is my go-to creamer, though. I will say that. Uh, will the 3-13 and 13 Reds cost David Bell his job? If so, how much more time does he have if we keep winning at a .243 clip? They uh, will, at some point, sacrifice David Bell. It will not be David Bell's fault. But at who, some point, they will have to sacrifice him. Who gets scapegoated first, Crawl or Bell? Bell. You're probably right. Bell, for sure. I don't even think it's close. I think it's Bell, for sure. Um, hey. This one was too long. Too long. Didn't. didn't TLDR. Fit. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the talkback segment on Cincy 360 is the best local radio segment since. Banana. Hey, it's that. Probably banana phone. It is hilarious. I, I, I gave Tony and Austin a shout out the other day. I don't know how sustainable it is. I don't know how long they can keep doing this, this while it'll still be funny. But right now, it is a riot. They've got like 30 of them a day that are like impersonations and like sarcasm and comedy. Um, who's the... Who's the country star that they... Oh, Girth Brooks. He, he acts like he's a porn star. Oh, he does no. it in a country twang, and he oh, calls no. himself Girth Brooks. <laughs> Is there a company that has lost your business forever? If so, what did they do? 
Mm, I don't think so. I don't. I'm not a huge grudge guy. Like my wife, like her family are like. She's got aunts that haven't spoken to each other. Sisters, they're sisters. They haven't spoken to each other in like ten years. Jeez. Like they're grudge. I'm just. I'm not a grudge person. Like if you screw up, like eh, whatever. Like you screwed up. I might not frequent your business as often, but I'm not a huge like. I'm never coming back. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm not a Karen that I've really done that. No, no, you're a Chad. Right, which is supposed to be the same thing, but I'm the exact opposite. I was just making the joke. That's the mailbag. Let's get out of here. All right, Great bye. Job. See ya. Armada Pack. Jesus. Thank you for everything. 240. Mailbag was a long one today. Urban Artifacts, thanks for everything. Uh, Timestamp it, Aaron, real quick. Thank you very much, Urban Artifacts. Um, a big shout out and thank you as well to Danco Transmission. Uh, great followers and great everything. Go there. $10 off another change. That's that and the other. Um, anything in closing, guys? Nope. Let's get out of here. We got a nightcap to do. See you Alrighty. later. For my buddies, Chad Brendel and Aaron Smith, I am Brent Young. Thanks for listening. This was another great BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya.